You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. This is Beyond Synth, episode 306, but more importantly, it is season 10 of Beyond Synth. And thank you so much for listening. You're all cool. So today is a family show. We're doing the, the hits of 1993. Of course, this episode was recorded last year, so I'm just recording a quick intro just to let you know what's going on. And then we will listen to a song and then we'll go straight into the family show. So I hope everybody had a good holiday, a happy Christmas. I hope you enjoyed the Christmas episode with Lucasette. It was very silly and it was a lot of fun to put together. Just a few notes about this episode. Since we did, as I just mentioned, record it last year, there is a few things that are out of date. So Mike mentions Ghostbusters and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. And I'm very excited to go see Spider-Man. And just so you all know, I've seen Spider-Man, Ghostbusters, and Matrix. We'll talk about it in a later episode, so just in case you're wondering why we are talking like we haven't seen these films yet, it's because we haven't. But if you want my quick review, I will just say Ghostbusters Afterlife was fine. It sort of reminded me of Star Wars The Force Awakens and the way that it sort of handled its nostalgia. I think Matrix was very cheap. It just felt cheap to me. I know there's some people who are defending it on the basis of its ideas. Again, how it handled nostalgia in a different way than these other movies have. Ultimately, I kind of wish they also had some cool fight scenes in there as well because the action wasn't very well choreographed and so I feel like it might have had interesting ideas, but it would have been nice if the movie didn't feel as cheap as it felt. And Spider-Man I saw in the theater before they enacted COVID protocols again. It was actually the most important thing I did. I remember I could hear rumblings that things were going to shut down again and then I was like, there's no way in hell I'm not seeing Spider-Man. So I I made sure to go to the theater. First time I'd been to the theater in two and a half years, and I will tell you, I uh, loved Spider-Man. So, of all three of these movies, which are all very nostalgia-heavy films, I feel like Spider-Man No Way Home might have been my favorite experience of fan service I've ever seen before. And if you went on the internet uh, during the the weekend and the week following the premiere of Spider-Man, there were so many videos on YouTube of fans and audiences just going crazy. It just had so many crowd-pleasing moments, and uh, it worked for me, so that's my review of that. Anyways, also some of you have sent me some emails and messages over the break. I will read some of them today on this episode, but uh, if you asked a question or something like that, we'll just do it next episode because obviously this family show was recorded last year, so some stuff is out of date, like I said. Okay, so on that note, let's listen to some music and then we will jump right into chatting with Marco, Florence, and Mike. So we're going to listen to this track from Shadowrunner featuring Primo, and it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, like Zach XAC, who upgraded his support. (laughs) 
That's right. He's now in the 1010 Club. Zach is a cool guy. He says, welcome to the double digits, mate. Well, you welcome to the double digits, buddy, because we're in season 10. And thank you so much for supporting the show. And now let's listen to this. This is Shadowrunner and Primo with Sunrise.
And that was Sunrise by Shadowrunner and Primo from the album The Stranger. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We got some new uh, patrons here. Jim Larson, 81, has joined the $5 Club. So thank you very much for supporting the show. And we have a new donor here, Ross Bird, in the $25 Club. Ross Bird is a cool guy and he says thank you for making beyond synth and andy spaceship you have provided me so much entertainment and i have been listening to your show from the start it has been really awesome to hear the podcast develop and your editing skills were on full display for the 300th episode your tour de force i am happy to finally be able to give back i love listening to your interviews and the family shows especially make me feel like i am hanging out with good friends well lucky guy we're doing one today thank Thanks again. I appreciate you being here all these years. Well, listen, Ross Bird, thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, you are a cool, cool guy, and uh, it, uh, it means a lot when people support the show, you know? So, um, anyways, how about this? Let's play a little sound effect and then get chatting with these fools. So wait, wait, so is is Ken Jennings going to be the host now? Ken Jennings and um, my, I can't say her name, yeah. Blossom, Yeah, they will be trading off hosting duties as their schedules allow for it. Once the new year starts, we will be waiting on new information about hosts. Didn't people not like Ken Jennings? Or was it LeVar Burton that they were like... There was some kind of thing that he did online, like on a podcast, where he said something that was not too kosher, but I don't remember what it was. No, I think Ken Jennings thing was just a mild, like, sexist tweet. Yeah. Like, I think it was the producer guy who made inappropriate comments on a podcast. Like, I don't think Ken Jennings thing was that bad. Wasn't it also about, like, lady nerds, too? I don't remember it being that bad. Like, I mean, I do have a fucked up sense of humor, so I, I yeah. might not be the right barometer for these things. I feel like it's just joking around with about that there's a lady... Like, she's a lady scientist, whoever he said it to. or so. Like, and it wasn't bad. It was clearly, like, something in the moment that, yeah, years later out of context would totally be bad. Yeah, like, I don't think people liked when that producer guy gave himself the job anyways, and so when it turned out that he had done, like, kind of sexist things, like, even his weren't even, like, I, I guess, whatever, but, like, it was still more than what whatever Ken Jennings <laughs> <He> said, did. <laughs> Nothing sadder than a hot person in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. All right, I was wrong. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad. What is the context where you tweet nothing sadder than a hot person in a wheelchair? Like, did, what did, is that a random thought? Was it a, car, a conversation? I should clarify for the audience why that's funny to me now is when you have the build up to a thing. <laughs> Like, here's what Ken Jennings said. And it's like, it wasn't that bad. And then, like, a few minutes later, like, <laughs> nothing sadder than a hot lady in a wheelchair. Oh, it's my like, God. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's start this thing. So we are back uh, with the Beyond Synth family. And we haven't recorded a Beyond Synth family show in months. It's been a very long time. And so we're rusty. We've forgotten each other's names, but I'm going to try and remember. So we are here right now with Mike Mendoza. Andy, 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 Andy. <laughs> Andy, 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 Andy. 
Let's talk about race, Andy. Uh, well, we're going to race to the next person, which is Florence Bullock. <laughs> Hi. Two out of three. You're doing good, Andy. Thank you. And of course, Marco Merrick. Hello, all you cunts out there. I mean, hey, everybody. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> we say. Sorry, I can redo that if you like. Well, <laughs> you got the accent. You're allowed. I should warn people in advance. Or, no, I guess it's not in advance if you warn somebody after someone says something. Listen, Mir. Uh, listen, Mir. <laughs> listen, Mir. Are well, you I'm trying to say, like, like if this is your first episode? Maybe this is some people's first family episode, so they don't, they don't understand what's going on. Right. So, listen, all right? This is a show for adults. We talk about adult things, and we deal with adult issues and uh, sometimes and Marco I, is Australian yeah and I'm sometimes so he Australian can say, he can say I'm allowed I mean this is a thing I started my new job and um, I was really careful not to say that word around people because you know <laughs> it's, it's in America it's kind of it's a bad word but um, people actually trying to get me to say it. They're trying to goat me into it, you know. So <laughs> I just give in. It's like, all right, you want me to say it? I'll fucking say it. All right. Yeah. Well, here, Fine. what do we have here? A fucking kiwi. Let's see if we can get him to fucking say it, dude. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not kiwi at all. <laughs> well, anyway, the point is this: uh, we are continuing our journey. That's right, reviewing the hits from the '90s, and we are on. 1993 and there's not too many hits this year Mm-mm. no I'm kind of bummed about it because there's it's less variety because there are less songs fewer songs yeah was that a grammatical correction what just happened yes okay <laughs> are you planning on seeing Ghostbusters in theaters no alright honestly the only movie that I am tempted to go to theaters to is the new Spider-Man yeah that one looks pretty dope yeah they've been trying really hard to hide the fact that the other Spider-Men are in there but that's why I'm excited like in one of the trailers people were even pointing out that it looked like there were shots where they removed the other Spider-Man from the shot or the special effects weren't complete yet. I don't know. I think the movie is unfinished and they're going to release a cash grab and that they didn't finish all the kinks out of it and then that's all the fans are going to be so mad about it. And yes. And, and they're going to call it Grand Theft Auto the Definitive Edition. <laughs> <laughs> what if, hold on. What if Lucas like was like, I'm going to re-release Star Wars with all this extra shit. And like all the extra shit looked really pixely and bad. But if you do watch the original special edition of Star Wars, like Jabba doesn't look great. You mean the 1997 version? Yeah. Do you think they should have kept yeah. him as like the slovenly Viking guy? No. The- oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I think they've, they've updated that Jabba model every time... They do a re-release of Star Wars, the original trilogy. They they just going to keep redoing it with technology every fucking... You know what I mean? It's like, just leave it alone already. Yeah, but they did. Because, because, like, we have better technology than we did last year, so they could just... Update it every year. Yeah, every year. You could literally make it better if that's what you want to do. It's I mean, it's like- I feel like they keep putting out all the new versions when they put them on TNT and stuff. Because I feel like Jabba keeps getting greener on whatever, like a New Hope. And yeah, they did. They did. Well, yeah, they he did. was never fucking green. Yeah, he was so green and blue. And <laughs> <laughs> I bet you now there's a fucking Facebook filter that probably has a better looking Jabba than the one that was actually in that 1997. Of course. You know, like when you have like little Star Wars characters floating around you, like. <laughs> It isn't even a joke. It's like, <laughs> there's people who work on those filters and they look great. You know, you got a little Slimer floating around. Anyway, I saw Ghostbusters. I think it was very fun. I would recommend going to see it for anyone who is into Ghostbusters. It's a fun one. I would say it's fun. I watched uh, uh, Bond. That's like the newest film I watched. That was a good movie. I liked oh, it. Oh, yeah. What was that like? It was all right. 
was alright. I felt it was very nostalgic to like 60s Bond. I don't know. Uh, like, I liked it. I would say I would put it third of his, of the Daniel Craig's. What would you put number two? Casino Royale's number one, right? Of course. Yeah. I really like Skyfall, to be honest with you, but I guess it goes Casino Royale, Skyfall, but to, sometimes I'm more in the mood for Skyfall than I am Casino Royale. And then I would put this one third, followed by, I guess. Spectre? I found Spectre just kind of dull. Spectre's so dry and boring. And I'm not a big fan of the melancholy Bond theme. Yeah, Spectre was a little disappointing, I thought. I, I don't know. It was a little... There's also so much, like, dryness and multi-plots happening in the movies that it all... All the middle movies, I have no idea what the real plot is. Like, who, who is the real bad guy? Is it Hans Blofeld? Is, like, this guy really his brother? <laughs> and which movie did that even happen? I, it's all a big blur to me. I liked this latest one because it felt like when I say nostalgia to the 60s I mean like the music and the tone and uh, there's even one scene transition where it's just like an electric (laughs) guitar like it was so classic Bond it was super cool yeah I think personally I think they still sort of had too many characters and they didn't really develop them that well like you know like what's her face Uh, Armas? how do you say her name Anna Armas? yeah yeah she's in it but she's sort of like in one scene and they sort of introduce her as if she's like got this big character and like oh she's this spy and she's whatever and then like she's sort of there and then they leave and you never see her again And but I think the main thing is you gotta start your movie off with a bang like at least for me and so the Bond songs that I love the most are the ones that start with energy you know what I mean? Like, like GoldenEye is a great example of a, like a fucking kick-ass song. It's a great title sequence, and it really like starts the movie off with like a you know. That's why I like a view to a kill. A view to a kill. No, I love I love all the eighties ones. Also, like a living living daylights yep. as well yep. is a good one. I yeah, like those are all fun. And like the past two Bond films have started with these super melancholy Bond songs. You know, where you get an action scene, and all of a sudden, just this like very quiet singing and. And I get that it kind of suits the tone of the film, but it's also like... I still think Mortal Kombat might have one of the best openings of any movie ever made. When the credits come in? Yeah, like I'm talking like the original Mortal Kombat film. When you see the New Line logo and the opening of the movie is a guy going, Mortal Kombat! And all of a sudden there's a fucking flaming symbol and it kicks into this awesome techno song. As cheesy as the film is, that's still one of the greatest like openings of a movie because like you get pumped from literally second one (laughs) when that movie starts and i'm not pumped when a movie starts with like a slow melancholy song about death with images of daniel craig like falling into a pit like it's just not a fun way to start a movie what'd you think of that madonna song gonna die another day It's not a great song. Okay. It does have more energy than the current one, but it also is like fucking janky, lame sort of techno. <laughs> but look, we just talked for too long, so it's music time. All right, so let's listen to a track. So I got a cool one here from Pilot. Uh, of course, Pilot's a cool guy. I talked to him last season in episode 299, if you want to check that out. And uh, we're going to listen to this song because it's cool. And it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Slade, who upgraded his support. That's right, Slade is now in the $25 club, and there is no one cooler than Slade. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, it means a lot to me, like I said, when I was talking about Ross Bird, but we're not talking about him anymore. We're talking about Slade. Slade's a cool guy. So look, thank you so much for supporting the show, and uh, check this out. This is Pilot with the track Lost. Lost. 
And that was Lost by Pilot. Yeah, that's a cool song. Pilot's cool. And that, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons. That's right, the coolest people I know, like Chris Dance, the king of all kings of the Pattersons with the 88. And, of course, there's Mike Shima with the 82, the fellow king of the Patterson. Uh, you, you know what? You're like, uh, you're just mutual kings in sort of separate kingdoms. How about that? And, of course, a mystery donor... <laughs> You guys are all awesome. And we're back with the Beyond Synth family. We're going to be doing uh, the 1993 Billboard number one hits show in just a bit. Of course, I'm here with uh, with uh, Marco and Florence and Mike. We're just uh, talking about movies and stuff. How do you feel about Ridley Scott? What? Oh, nothing. I said, how do you feel? Sorry, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> To say, how do you feel about Ridley Scott? In general? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, as a person? Well, he's made, well, he's made headlines again, you know, he's always, anyway. <laughs> he ruins everything. What right headline? Now. Mark, okay, let's specifically address He's this. making Gladiator 2, and then he said, um, he, he said that superhero movies are boring blockbusters. But with said. more context, that quote, he's he was also talking about, but my movies were basically superhero movies anyway. Like Ridley was the Ripley was the superhero of Alien and Sarah Connor was the True, I guess. <laughs> I said mean, it all wrong. But yeah. whatever he was saying, like he, he wasn't saying that superhero movies are terrible. It's that he wants to go out and make his own versions and that he already has. Oh, okay, fair enough. And I feel like the internet got whipped into a storm we're like, oh, oh, he's too pretentious. Oh, he's too old. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about... No, no, a serious question. When the fuck are these Avatar movies coming out? It feels like they've been making them for, like, fucking 20 years or something. Like, what's up with that shit? <laughs> Yeah, Ridley Scott's Avatar sequels. But Ridley Scott has always been a grumpus. I mean, like, he's made some movies I really love, but he's always had that attitude of, like, what's up with these stupid kids today? Like, on the Legend DVD, there's this uh, interview with him where he explains why he trimmed Legend down and went with, like, the, the hip Tangerine Dream score. A hip? Mm. And he blamed stoner kids who were at the screening who said, like, the original cut was boring or something. And then Ridley Scott said, like, if he ever caught kids smoking weed in his screening, again he'd kick them out and the thing is those kids were right like the tangerine dream score is awesome it's like the best part of the movie yeah thank god and also if he were to sit down and smoke some weed maybe he would have came to a better decision on the soundtrack he would have been like yeah uh, yeah <laughs> he, I think he's always kind of had that thing like blaming the kids or whatever and whatever like he's made some awesome well, that's movies that's literally what he's done right now as well he's got Ridley Scott blames apathetic millennials for the last <laughs> du- dual bombing yeah. he's literally I mean that's what I mean you know what I mean so he's really yeah that's his, that's his whole now. deal man Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, like he's blaming millennials with their short attention span and the fucking cell phones or some shit like that. Yeah. And what's funny to me bombs. now is that the Gladiator 2 sequel, hearing what you guys said, is that it's supposed to follow the son of Maximus, like 30 years later. And he's a millennial. The millennial. <laughs> Millennial Maximus. Oh, I get it. He's he's gonna make a Millennial Maximus, and yeah. he's gonna make him like super fucking annoying and like terrible as a human being. He's like, yeah, I'll get back at all these assholes who yeah. ruined film for me. <laughs> the whole film just is an old man kicking the shit out of him. Looks exactly like Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, like how Chris Nolan puts a Chris Nolan guy in all of his movies. Yeah, <laughs> like Leo or Robert Pattinson. It's a Ridley Scott lookalike who's just kicking the shit out of this kid. That would be really awesome, actually. Anyway, look. The point is this. We got to listen to some music, and then we got to get fucking started on this. I'm in. So are we all good? Yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> All right. So, look, let's listen to a song. I actually got a message here from one of my awesome patrons, Mr. Magoo Samurai. And uh, he says, hello, Andy. Could you please play Saturdays by Mitch Murder on your show? Thanks, my dude. You're a cool guy. Merry Christmas, Andy, to you and your family. Have a safe and happy holiday. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Magoo Samurai. I did. And uh, sorry, of course, I think you. I, I got this message after the Christmas episode was already made. But happy Christmas to you. And I hope that uh, you had a good one. P.S. Please don't read this on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Whoops. <laughs> Well, too late, man. Look, Happy New Year to you, Mr. Magoo, Samurai, Mr. Magoo. And I will honor your request and play Mitch Murder. And uh, hopefully you're not upset that I just read that because I just did. So, uh, you know, that's what happens. So here is some Mitch Murder brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Kroner Club. We got Emil and Hampus ML. And then we got Mike Erdahl with the 5666 and Tim Carlton, the Golden Boner and composer of the Cisco Hold music, which <laughs> this is the year we're going to get the backstory to that. Anyways, you're all awesome and enjoy this. This is Mitch Murder with Saturdays.
right, that was Saturdays by Mitch Murder. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Raur, R-A-O-R, a name my voice had difficulty pronouncing, who has upgraded his support. That's right, Raur is now in the $10 club. You're a cool guy, Raur. Raur. <laughs> It's just fun to say. And the bottom line is, uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you so much for upgrading your support. And I hope you have a happy new year. All right. And we're back. Uh, we're here. This is the Beyond Synth family show. I'm here with uh, Mike and Marco and Florence. So let's dive in. We've caught up. We've had a good time. Let the games begin. All right. Now this is... <laughs> okay. So the last time we were here, I just realized we can't move ahead just yet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now what? Do you want to argue with me first and then we just get it out of the way? No, I have a prepared <laughs> statement. Here we go. A prepared statement. Yes. <laughs> You're all fired. Uh, last time we talked... <laughs> I, knew I knew this was coming. He's going to hire Phaser Land and the clones. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. I knew this was coming. <laughs> anyway, the point was, Mike and I had sort of a very uh, uh, vibrant disagreement, and it was a lot of fun, and I kept it in the show, and, and I had I had funny responses responses to it because there's a lot of people who are like found it really funny and i was giving a lot of comments that that neither of us resorted to like personal anything we just kind of stuck by our points and like defended the hell out of them so like i I was listening back to it and i haven't i hadn't listened to it for like a week after you put it out because i was Mm. like oh god am i gonna come off as a dick oh did i say some really mean shit that he left in there Mm. and i was like listening to it and i was like no, I think we both made our points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also did get a few comments of people who, like, found it uncomfortable, <laughs> like, the fact that we were fighting. And I'm like, you know, I wouldn't have posted this thing if this was, like, a serious fucking blowout or whatever. And, like, I love that yeah. from the perspective of the listeners, they hear us fighting and think there's fallout. And then meanwhile, we're still, like, you know, chatting the next day mm-hmm. on MSN and joking when the show's over, you know? Or not MSN, Facebook. Or, like, literally when we stopped recording and you were like, all right, send me the files. And I was like, all right, I'm rendering now. <laughs> Funny show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Copy, paste. All right, here's the file, Andy. Like an hour afterward. We're totally fine. Yeah. So after I was done listening, I, I wrote this statement because I think <laughs> oh maybe God. this maybe this will solve some of the confusion. Is it a letter to yourself in 10 years? Don't become like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, first of all, when I listened back, I think there was a little bit of an unfairness from my my point of view. I, I had an unfair advantage because I feel like the listeners would agree with me whether I argued the point well or not. <laughs> and I don't think I argued my point well. But the one thing I will stand behind is that I still agree with what I was saying. But as I was listening to it, I'm like, I didn't do it right. So I said, uh, I think it's true, first of all, that I shouldn't have used the word objectively when talking about which art is better. I think that was one of the key disagreements we were having, because I kept on saying, like, Michael Jackson is objectively better. Yeah, you were like, but this is objectively a better song. And I was like, you can't say that. Like, <laughs> Yes, maybe I use these words, but this is not what I meant. So I didn't mean to say that music from 1980 is better than music from 1990. I'm specifically talking about the number one hits. When I talk about this, I'm talking about hits versus just the music. And I think it's reasonable that you can look at a hit song, certain aspects of it, in an objective way. Because what makes a hit song is not 100% based on whether it's a great song. 
right? Like it could be the marketing. It could be, you know, the timing. It could be that the artist also happens to be starring in a hit movie at the time. Or it could be that it's a song from the soundtrack of a hit movie. It could be because it's the theme song to a number one show in the country or whatever, right? It could be because the band or artist is involved in a controversy. It could be because the artist died and their track gets radio play again. Although, to be fair, usually that's because people already like the artist anyways. So, when you say the song is good because it sold like 60 million copies or whatever... Like, I, I don't believe that's an appropriate metric for determining if a piece of art is good or not, because we're talking like commerce and a whole bunch of other factors. Like if you have a top selling album that has one good song and then the band made one great song and it's so great that people rushed out to buy the album, but the rest of the album is shit apart from that song. So if you were to tell me, well, the album's good because it sold 60 million copies, I would argue saying, well, I don't necessarily believe that because in this scenario, everyone might have actually hated the album, but they bought it because of that single and the single was good. There's more reasons than just the quality of a song that makes something reach number one. Yeah, like that Elton John song that he did for Princess Diana, that sold like crazy amounts and it was for another reason, I believe. I mean, it was for charity or whatever. Or the Timmy T or the Tommy T or the Timmy Page or whatever the hell those guys were, right? Nelson. Nelson. So I'm not attacking like the artistic integrity of the artists themselves. It's more about the culture at the time and the placements of these songs at number one. Essentially telling like it's sort of like dictating to the public like this is the best we got right now. And it's just like how my favorite movies never win the Oscar. We can look in terms of like I chose like 1985 like Amadeus wins best picture and it's a good movie. But culturally what had more lasting sort of cultural impact like Amadeus or Terminator or Ghostbusters or Nightmare on Elm Street or Spinal Tap or Gremlins or Beverly Hills Cop. And I believe that the number one hits from the 80s kind of have more of a lasting cultural impact than the number ones from the 90s. And I also think that any year that has more number one hits is just a better year. So, I mean, we talked about that earlier in the show. More number ones means more variety, more diversity in the sounds, more genres represented. And this, and again, now this is the thing we can argue about. This is just my personal opinion. Is the statement over? No, it's still, it's still going, but you can, you can interject. Is okay. I think that 13 weeks at number one is too long. It's my personal opinion. It's, I think it's too much exposure. I remember some radio stations up here as a selling point and especially in like the mid 2000s and they probably do it in the states as well where like the catchphrase of the radio station is like we have a non-repeat work day and that's like that was like a selling point because up until that point that meant that radio stations were literally repeating these songs multiple times even during the work day and like I can attest to that like when I worked at Toys R Us and I had to hear like Enrique two to three times a shift right like the same song that still happens today you can hear a song on the same radio Within the same hour. Right. Like, maybe towards the top and then towards the bottom of the hour. Yeah, and, then, and there were some stations up here that, like, made a big deal of the non-repeat work day. And so, can you imagine working, like, a 9 to 5 and hearing Mariah Carey multiple times a day for 13 weeks at least, Can right? you imagine being 12 years old and getting excited every time the station goes... Z100 It's been one week since you looked at me And you're like, oh yeah, dude, yeah I fucking love this song I could not get enough of that fucking song that year God, that song's annoying I guess this is when we'll, we'll have like a difference Because for me, if you said Depeche Mode Enjoy the Silence was number one For like 16 weeks, I would actually Be embarrassed, 
Like, I would feel the need to apologize to people, and I love the song. Because in my opinion, I just think that there's there's a point where it's, like, too much exposure. And I don't think... Maybe this is, like, some weird, like, socialist way to look at the music thing. But I, I just don't think you should be number one after more than, like, three or four weeks. Like, that should be good enough to establish that you hit number one, you had some major staying power, you get the we were number one for more than just a week trophy... And then they just shuffle the songs. They go like, you know, this one was great. It was number one for four weeks. But now, like, we have to move on. That's kind of why my chart is only going back for six weeks. Because if I do it for the whole year, Cannons and Gunship remain number one and two for the entire time. Right. Cannons? Wait, what? Cannons. Cannons. You know who Cannons is? No. Cannons is a synth pop, synth wave group. That got a bunch of attention. They signed with Columbia, and this year they started playing Lollapalooza and festivals, and like they're like famous synthwave people, oh. um, which is really cool. Really, they're not like part of the community so much. That's why I don't know them. But um, their whole vibe is synthwave and synthpop. Interesting. And uh, every time I do the chart that like goes back a significant distance in time, <laughs> it's it's Gunship, The Midnight, and Cannons. Number one, and there's no change about that. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, Andy, with the, what you're saying about the objective thing and numbers and sales, and there needs to be certain context. So, like, I, I totally agree with everything of what you're saying. Just because something sold 63 million copies or whatever it is doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best song to you, but within context, and to me, my argument is like, that means that 63 million people connected and resonated with that song. So like, whether you didn't, it did for them. And that's where like, you can't really apply objective data as like the only thing, and you also can't apply subjective data as the only thing, or else you wouldn't get anywhere. And that's why I feel like it's good that we put all this time in between our conversation. Uh, the last time we <laughs> blew up <laughs> when that happened, you know, but I guess what we're saying is like, just think about everything in context with other things surrounding it in time and within its industry, you know, whether it's a type of song or like a guitar song or a hip hop song or the songs are number one for whatever reason. And I'm trying to squeeze an emotional connection like did you kiss your first person when you heard this song during that week in middle school and like it that's why you like that song because specifically with people everyone's got their own reason it just happens to be that some songs resonate with more people than other people yeah and i understand that way of looking at things and i think these these conversations are important because they allow me to work through my thoughts out loud because my opinion is the same as it was last episode right like so sometimes you talk with people and like through discussion they raise important points and you actually change your point of view but it's also just as important when after all is said back and forth i still haven't shifted my opinion but it's given me an opportunity to articulate my thoughts better i think that's like the main thing anyway look uh we gotta actually do the thing yeah let's let's do the thing so so what's the bottom line andy so anyway andy um i win the argument we can all agree i'm the, I'm the better one at all I love to that I have this sort of big uh, statement just making sure I've been clear and reassessing to clear the air as if I'm going to come into this year and be like super positive and instead <laughs> I think I hate this year more than all the other ones yeah. but the point is that we're all having a good time so let's uh, listen to a cool song and then we will continue the show so I want to hear this one from Shades of Thunder brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Jacob Wick my semi-sonic friend with the 44 488 City Hunter with the 
42, the coolest guy in town, still in the year 2022. And then we got Retro Serenade with the 3333 and Brendan Decker with the 3232. You guys are all amazing. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Now let's listen to this. This is Shades of Thunder with Jan Johnson. I think that's probably how this is, but it's J-A-N and then the name Johnson, which is tricky because normally the name J-A-N, I believe, is pronounced like Jan or Yan. But then when it's followed by the name Johnson, where you actually pronounce the J, it makes it tricky to go, does this person pronounce it Jan Johnson or is it Jan Johnson or Yan Johnson? Anyway, the point is, uh, it's a good song. So uh, you can write in and let me know how to pronounce your name so I don't fuck it up next time. This is Shades of Thunder with How Loud Is Your Love with Jan Johnson.
And that was Shades of Thunder from the album Flight of Fancy with the track How Loud Is Your Love with Jan Johnson or Jan Johnson or John Johnson. I don't know how to say this. Hopefully one of those was correct or maybe all three of them were wrong, which would be par for the course for me. But uh, feel free to message me and let me know which one is correct. Because, and this may be surprising for the listeners, I don't actually want to pronounce people's names incorrectly. I generally want to do it properly. So please let me know. Anyway, we're back. Back with the Beyond Scent family, and we're going to jump right into the Billboard number one hits of uh, 1993. So, do we have to say anything about Whitney Houston because she's carried over from last year? Nah, we really don't. No, we already talked about that. I just remind people that "I Will Always Love You" was on the best-selling soundtrack of all time to date, which is "The Bodyguard." That's still the best-selling soundtrack of all time. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so weird. Wow, it's got so many of uh, Whitney Houston's hits from that era. You're like, oh yeah, this song from there that song from there but it was at number one for how many weeks into this year nine that's oh well that's nine weeks into yep and five weeks from last year jesus oh my god for a grand total of 14 weeks yeah too many weeks (laughs) (laughs) too many weeks Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Too many weeks on the Andy scale. I will add that the bodyguard was number two for the entire year, and it brought in $411 million that year. Well, good stuff. So now we move ahead. I'm adding to- context. Listen, let's. I have to make a disclaimer, too, at the beginning of this right now before we really get started. <laughs> so my chart, like all my numbers, they're all fives, mm. okay? I don't, I'm going to spoil it for everybody. It's fucking 100%. So Andy's numbers have progressively gone down. Mm-hmm. Marco noticed that Andy is getting more and more gringy. Mm. Yeah, but Mike. From, from 40 to 36 to 40 to 23 this time. But my number is at 100% for the first time. And instead of maybe talking about the songs and what makes me feel ooey-gooey about them, I feel like I'm going to provide some extra context for the song. You know, just film context or like radio number context. I'll just add some context. I'll add some information and make this education. But Mike. Marco. The thing I want to know is, though, you you definitely, I mean, that you love all those songs. You give them all a five. It's not because of Andy's being a weirdo and you're trying to counteract his, you know I've what I mean? I've listened to this playlist so many times, dude. I love these songs. I was t- That's what I was saying at the beginning of this whole quest. I was like, dude, like, quest. these early years of the 90s are so up my alley. Especially all the shit on the radio. All right, fair enough. Well, then let's get to it. We got this song here, A Whole New World by Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. And uh, this is the Aladdin song. I can show you the world Shining, shimmering, splendid Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart I'll just say right now, I don't like musicals and I don't like Disney songs, and so I don't like this one. <laughs> but I always find these sort of singles confusing, and it's the ones where it's the song from the Disney movie, but it's not sung by the singers. Or you know, like how the the movie version sounds different. Yeah, yeah. You mean like the the one that's sung by the actors in the movie, and then the one that plays over the credits after the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a musical guy. I was not a Disney kid, and Disney music doesn't do anything for me. And I think the vocal melody is fine. 
And I mean, it is a song like when I hear it, I don't get angry that it's there. And I also hear it a lot because we have like a Disney CD that the kids will listen to in the car. Like, I was just about to ask you, what's like your favorite one of all of those? Honestly? From, like, the movie. Yeah. Um, Lion King. Which one? Fucking uh, Kings and Vagabonds. That's the good one song. I like. That's a good song. But this one, it's, you know, it's got those, those cheesy instruments I don't like. And I would never choose to listen to this song myself. And I don't like that cheesy 90s background instrumentation and stuff so lion king i i would say because I, I actually sing the lion king one when i walk around the house because i love the you know when people do the her when they celine dion does it all the time she doesn't say love she says lerve lerve so she can sing the note you know <laughs> anyway that's me so i don't like it uh florence um well all of those things that you said about not being a disney kid and not loving musicals and all of that literally the opposite for me mm. i gave the song a five because man a lot is like my favorite Disney movie okay I was in love with Aladdin and again it's like if I if I heard the song out of context and just didn't know it I would probably be very indifferent about it but this song has a lot of nostalgia for me and I fucking love it and it's a five nice so there you go oh wow also I want to say something about the video of the song though because I don't think I've ever seen the video of the song you mean the video with Peebo Bryson and uh... yeah it was so weird because it was like couldn't Disney have spent a little more money on this like oh, you don't like that little tiny it looks like a saturday night live skit set where it's just like there's like one little tent and like there's a tent and they're just projecting the movie on the tent yeah and then <laughs> you know they have the two singers and they're you know they're singing to each other and it's cute and everything there's something wrong with the video but it's like you can make it more magical whatever it's fine yeah but they filmed it on film florence so they spent a lot of money because it's on film Mm. Is it? <laughs> I guess so. You know, um, expensive mu- music videos are filmed on film, and like the cheap ones were filmed on videotape. And I'm watching a uh, like a 320 by 100 pixel uh, YouTube one that was uploaded like 14 years ago or whatever. <laughs> so I can't I can't enjoy the film. Uh, Marco, what do you say about this? Honestly, I've never seen the movie, so I can't really comment oh on my that. God. But um. I really don't like the song. It's it's very corny and, and cheesy. And I honestly don't even remember it at the time. I don't know if it polled well in Australia or not, but um, it's weird. Like, it just doesn't seem like an appropriate song for the movie. I mean, I know what Aladdin is, you know, and it's just like, really? But I haven't seen it, so I can't comment, really. But uh, it only gets a one from me. Was it too sexy for Aladdin? <laughs> well, I think if, he's, if, he's, if he's thinking of the legend know, of Aladdin, so you want, like, sitars and shit, and then you just hear this weird, like, corny song with that DX7 fucking piano in <laughs> yeah. the... Right? It sounds like a corny American fucking chart song for well, an album. You know what I mean? Like, it's Super weird. 90s Disney. Yeah, that's The true. context of what you just said made me think, like, maybe that's why it was so popular. And instead of getting sitars and, like, something more local to what Aladdin might be, they turned it into a classic Hollywood musical. Yeah. Horns and string pretty sections much. and yeah, da da da. Wah, wah, like, I thought you said porns. Yeah. <laughs> porns. <laughs> I got that version on tape. I could send it to you. Mm. Oh. oh, really? Yeah, they put it on a film. It was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of the, the title. No, God. Aladdin. Aladdin. Mm. Prince anyway. of... Oh, Prince of Beeves. Prince of Beeves. Open Sesame. Oh, Aladdin. Aladdin, <laughs> my ass, or something like that, right? Yeah. Prince of Thighs? Version. Prince of Thighs? Yes, that's what he said. Mike, what do you got? Prince of Beebs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marco, your turn. He did. He said he didn't like so it. Bad. <laughs> no, I mean like a Latin porn title. Oh. A whole uh, new sex. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm a oh five. Uh, I like this in the way that Florence loves it. it. This particular time, the movies from this time, um, the movies and the songs go super together. Like when the song starts, it turns me into like a, a puddle, and I'm like, ooh, like yeah, like it's nostalgic for me. This song is the only Disney movie that um, won a Grammy for best song. Mm. It also won an Academy Award for Best Original Song, which is kind of amazing. Written by Alan Menken, so not a surprise. Lyrics by Tim Rice, who also wrote Andy, your favorite. Kings and yeah. Vagabonds. <laughs> the Lion King soundtrack is fucking fired. That one's got Be Prepared, which I sing in my sleep sometimes. I wake up and I'm like, an ambition you did. And, I'm cra- and then uh, I like the uh, I Can't Wait to Be King. The melodies of the verse are so catchy, and I'll just have it in my head. And I turned into Michael Jackson. (laughs) What else can I say? The Peebo Bryson version peaked at number one on March 6, 1993, replacing Whitney Houston, which had spent 14 weeks at the top of the chart, which is ridiculous. It went gold and sold 600,000 copies. And Marco, to answer your question, in Australia, a whole new world peaked at number 10 on the weekly charts. There you go. Not good enough for Marco. There you go. Well, this year this year was probably the year I really stopped. I mean, I got to that age where I was like, no more mainstream shit. You know, I'm into all this other stuff. That's probably part of the reason why I never fucking <laughs> really heard it or, or noticed it, you know. Well, how about this? Let's notice this cool track, and then we'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll review some more 1991 hits. 92, 93. 93. 91. Oh, I'm way off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I corrected you because I thought you were wrong, but I was on the wrong tab, and I have 92, and I said that all wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the point is, we're all stupid. All right. Yeah, I was just going to say, the point is, we're all dumb. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to a song, and then we'll keep going. So I want to listen to this one. Uh, this is a track from House of Harm. They kind of do more new wave uh, kind of vibes, which I dig. This is from their album, Vicious Pastimes. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Hugh Hefner in the 2666 Club. Happy New Year to you. And in the $25 Club, we got Clint Dowling, A Star Apart, Alex Selickson, and Blake Peterson. You guys are all awesome. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Now listen to this. This is House of Harm with Catch.
And that was Catch by House of Harm from the album Vicious Pastimes. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We got Cargo Cult Luo. And yes, I did receive your message, dude. And uh, I'll read it on the next episode. And actually, as a note, just in case you've ever like sent me a message, if I don't get back to you quickly enough or if you send me a message on Patreon, usually what I do is if I get messages like that, I wait to respond to them and read them on the show. So if you ever go like, fucking Andy didn't respond, usually it's because I read it on the show, so that's what I do. Just so you know, uh, because obviously I do appreciate you uh, you writing in and supporting the show and stuff like that, so I, I don't want you to think that I'm ignoring you all. I'm not. I just I want to make sure that my response is, you know, on mic so you feel special, because I want you to feel special because you are. Alright, and we're back. Alright, we are reviewing 1993 Billboard number one hits. Let me let me just say I found a a website that has a bunch of porn parodies from Aladdin, and the first one is a whole new world, but whole is spelled H O L E. Nice. Oh, I should have seen that one coming. And then there's genie in a butthole. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Rub my lamp. Mm. And uh, I believe someone already said a lad in. Yes! That was oh. my guess. <laughs> a lad in. Nice. Is it, is it, but is it like a lad in my ass or is it just like a lad in? It's just a lad space, in. Lad space in. In my ass. What was the third one? A friend like D. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can stop there. Okay, okay. sorry. <laughs> Because there are so many more? No, we keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the point is, uh, what's next on the list? Well, we have, of course, Informer by Snow. Andy, your favorite. (laughs) All right, so I, I just... This is a one. I hate this song, and that's all I have to say. I've hated this song since 1993. I hate it now. I think it sucks. I I think it's annoying. I got nothing to say about it. It's just a ridiculous, silly song. And it doesn't have... You know, like uh, like a song that I find really fun is uh, Skilo. What's the damn song? Wish I was a baller. Wish I was a little bit taller. Uh, I wish. I can't stand that song. I think it's because so many people like it. I don't know why I put these in the same camp, but like that's a song that I find fun. Fun and funny, like it's a goofy song, but it like makes me smile. I remember laughing when it would when it would come on. And Snow is another song was on all the time, and I just find it frustrating. I find his voice frustrating, uh, everything about it. So I zero if I could. Florence. Well, so this guy's from Toronto. He certainly is. Yep. Florence, <laughs> you're stealing my facts. <laughs> I looked this shit up. Mm. And this is like borderline cultural appropriation here. Well, it's um, it's problematic because, for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, because like he, problematic on white, my ears. He's a super white dude. He certainly is, and he's kind of trying to be Jamaican. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm, people loved it in '93. It's funny because he like straight up calls out Toronto in the song. Mm. <laughs> you look up the lyrics. It's so bad. I hate the song, too. It's a one for me. It's awful. Well, let's go over to Marco. Well, it's super cringy, I know. And it was at the time, but yet it's so catchy. And it's a very unique song, I think. I mean, I understand why you guys don't like it. I don't really either. I mean, it's not something I'm going to... If it comes on the radio, I'm probably going to turn it off. 
But I give it a three because it is a classic and I did like it at the time. And I don't know. It's a very unique song. I mean, it's everybody knows this fucking song. You know what I mean? I mean, there is that I lick your boom boom down part or whatever. That's a. You like that part, yeah. don't you? I knew Everyone it. can relate to that. <laughs> I Everyone always thought he was saying lick your bum bum. I mean, close enough. <laughs> right? Like, isn't, that's what everyone thought he was saying. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Checking. It's definitely something sexual. I don't know. <laughs> this is the thing we all stupid. say up here in Toronto. I was going to say, is that what you do yeah, up in Toronto? <laughs> what's okay? So, what's the porn parody of Snow Informer? Uh, in, it's a joke. We don't have to do it. In Bone Her? In, <laughs> in, in Bone her. Inside Her? In bone her. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Anyway. Uh, Lick your bum bum down. Yeah. Mike. Uh, Andy. <laughs> I love this song. It's a five. I'm a. I love how Marco said it. It's a very catchy song, and it's a unique song. As I'm watching the video right now, he he looks kind of like Vanilla Ice, like in the faraway shots. Like the hair kind of looks like it, and like he's got his stupid clothes on. <laughs> well, Vanilla his Ice opened the door. On. He opened the door for people like this. I understand, like how like maybe one of these kind of songs per year gets through and becomes very popular like a vanilla ice i also agree with florence that this is just kind of hard to watch it's definitely cultural appropriation (laughs) yet it's still a five for you if he was like hey guys you just got a nintendo and i'm gonna go get orange juice and go see my mom like if he was rapping about (laughs) wait oh my god normal stuff that looks like he should be rapping about right like no rubber and I'm like, nah, dude, like, stop. Yeah, it's like fucking Tom Hanks's song. What are the lyrics to this song? Oh, look him up. I'm looking them up right now. Right, while you're looking it up, people his, uh, dem say, yeah, come from Jamaica, but me born and raised in the ghetto that I want you to know. A pure black people, man, that's all I know. Jesus. <laughs> not bad. Yeah, me shoes are a tear up. And a mitos. Florence, <laughs> <laughs> stop because he's going to oh say God. something. Don't get canceled. But it says, but the last, the last line is, we're me, Mia born in our day one Toronto. So, it's, the end. It's, oh man, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so bad. It's so horrible. It's so terrible. Um, okay. So he was born and raised in Toronto. <laughs> he lived in the Allenbury Gardens projects. You know, he was hanging out with Jamaican people, one of Snow's neighboring Jamaican families, the Browns, Mm. first introduced the teenager to reggae and began calling him Snow and Snow White. With the help of the neighbors, Snow began borrowing and ordering reggae dub tapes to perform over. After he befriended Marvin Prince, he began referring to Snow with the phrased backronym meaning Superb Notorious Outrageous White Boy. Snow never claimed the title himself and simply continued to perform with the stage name of Snow. Wow. Take that how you will. So are we supposed to forgive him because of that? Because he never, like, really they're like, come on, come on. He's like, nah, nah. Because he hung out. He hung out with people who are from Jamaica. I guess. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, okay. I, I feel like this story has like, <laughs> like he's the white boy and they made fun of him. They were calling him Snow and Snow mm-hmm. White. He didn't understand they were making fun of him. Mm-hmm. And they were like, dude, dude, go ahead. What? Look at this kid. Go ahead. Go ahead, Snow. Do your reggae rap on this tape. Go ahead. Do it. And he's like, okay. And they're like, Pah! <laughs> and then somehow he became famous from it, you know? Like, I don't know. Jesus. Mm. 
I wish I had something else to say. I this is just, <laughs> <laughs> this is just a dumb fucking song. It's so dumb this song. Um, it's dumb. But look, I'll tell you what isn't dumb. The song I'm about to play now. It's by BMX Escape. Another one from the Codename Jody album, which I enjoyed quite a bit. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club, like Eurobeat Intensifies, Honeybeard, Jimmy the Hut, and Joey Richards. You are all awesome. And now listen to this. This is BMX Escape with Colonel Arnold. Yes, we have the equipment and the people for an effective team. But, like any team, it can win only when everyone knows his job and does it well. That was Colonel Arnold by BMX Escape from the album Code Name Jody, which of course was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club, like Johnny Five, Kempson, Ken Juru, and Marantha. So thank you so much for supporting the show. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're here with the Beyond Synth family. We're reviewing 1993 hits. We just got through Peebo Bryson, Regina Bell, and Snow. And now we're moving on to Silk with Freak Me. Should be one of your favorites. Andy, <laughs> That's one. right. I 
actually heard this band before or listened to this song before. This was one I was completely unfamiliar with. Oh, no shit. Wasn't it in a movie or something? Maybe. Look, I don't like it, and it just doesn't do anything for me. You know how I feel about this sort of make-out music stuff. It just isn't my scene, you know, so I got nothing to say, really. Florence. Um, <laughs> surprise. This song is about sex. Mm. Very, very <laughs> obvious. What a surprise. Let's see. What did I give this? Uh, th- I'm indifferent about this song. Like, the chorus is sort of catchy, but it's so over-the-top 90s. For me, there's nothing special about the song, so... Again, indifferent. There you go. Got nothing against it, but I pr- would probably turn off the radio if I heard it because I'd just be like, eh, whatever. This year has a bunch of songs like this for me where it's like, it's not that I'm offended. Like, Snow Informer is annoying for sure. This song doesn't annoy me. It's just, <laughs> it just doesn't do anything. Like, I'm not excited when it's I hear this. It's just like, it's just Snow sort of Informer there. Snow Informer is annoying for sure. <laughs> like, it's a... <laughs> I just made that statement. <laughs> uh, uh, Marco. Um, I was going to say, it's actually peaked at 43 in Canada. So maybe that's why you didn't know about it. I mean, I guess it was on the radio a lot in Australia. It peaked at number three. So it did do pretty good in Australia. I think it's a decent song. I mean, um, I don't know. Compared to a lot of the other ones, I don't mind it. I'm kind of indifferent to it, I guess. I gave it a three. Um, it, it's not a bad song. It's got it's got its, uh, good points, I guess. Like, what are they? <laughs> Well, it's pretty catchy. It's kind of a unique song. It's not... I guess it is a little cheesy, but it's not as cheesy as fucking Snow or, you know, (laughs) something like that. But, um, no, I I didn't mind it at the time, and I think it's still a pretty decent song, you know, to be honest. You grind this stuff? Grind it out? Oh, yeah, all the time, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know it, Andy. Andy, I don't know how you became a father (laughs) twice. Uh, Mike. I love this song. It's a cool song. Fucking one of the things I tell music producers, if you want your songs to sound like retro, think about really big bombastic snares. Because if you listen to a lot of the hits from back then, a lot of them have these really compressed, big, huge, gated snares. And this song, no different. I was just thinking to myself as I'm listening to the song, I want to hear this without vocals. I just want to hear the beat. I just want to hear the drums. I want to hear the snare over and over. You want an instrumental track, huh? I want to grind one out to the song like Andy does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that's the utility of this track, right? Like, is that what it's for? Yeah, Andy, freak me. <laughs> Fucking freak me. <laughs> As I said, this song is about sex. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, there's no subtlety. It's like <laughs> intercourse. If you went through all of the songs that I love... I don't think any of them are about sex. I think there's something silly about songs about sex. I'm not, not talking love, I mean sex. Like anytime a song where the lyrics are like, and I take your blouse off, baby, and then we're fucking on the roof or whatever, like I just don't, unless it's a comedy song, then it's funny. Like if it's a Lonely Island track, then I like it. But it's like, I don't think there's a single song I love that's about sex. Maybe love, but not sex. That's because you can't take it seriously, dude. You got to get into the motion so you can get inside that ocean, girl. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> freak that ocean. Let's move ahead here. Well, to- you get freaky with you. Doesn't make you like hard, Andy. Come on, man. No, no, not really. I got to change this music video right now because oh, I'm getting too excited, Marco. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I sure do. <laughs> I'm more interested by, uh, what is it, fucking Aladdin or whatever the fuck? <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe they don't have another word that follows that. Okay, well, next we got Janet Jackson. All right? The song called uh, That's the Way Love Goes. That's the way love goes. 
Again, this is just another one for me. I, I, I guess I am a little negative Nancy this year. I just find this song boring. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is in the opening skit in the video, so that's fun. <laughs> and that's it for me. Like When I saw the video, I'm like, oh, there's Jennifer Lopez. And then the rest of the track just bores me to boring land. So, uh, yeah, that's me, man. Florence. I'm indifferent about the song, but it's funny because literally my notes are LOL Jennifer Lopez in the video. <laughs> and the second point is this song is boring. The chorus is like barely a thing. So pretty much exactly the same, except I'm not offended as much as you, I guess, because I would say indifferent. I am I have nothing against the song. It's just there's literally nothing interesting about it. So <laughs> as we established in the, in the last episode, how I am sort of like the, the polar opposite of Mike, for me, if a song is reaches that point where I go would I change the channel like a song is just so dull that I'm like why is this here uh, then I give it a one so that's why I'm doing that because oftentimes yeah like the past few ones like you know we'll, you and I Florence will have like the same note but you'll give it the two and I just go like right. what's because the point of giving this a two I'm giving it a one because like this this like, doesn't need to be on I will, I'll give it a one if I'm like super offended by it right but if it's if the song is just like whatever that's indifferent to me yeah I get know, that if I'm not offended so that's that's why the song gets a two for me yeah that's why Mike and I are the yin yeah. and the Yang, because I feel like Mike will bump his to the five in the no, in fuck the. You dude, I'm the Yin. What? <laughs> Why do you get to be the Yin? Which one's white? <laughs> is is the Yin white? Oh my! Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Marco. He says I don't want to talk about any of this. <laughs> oh, wait, what were we talking about again? We're That's talking the way about love goes. Yeah, I really didn't like this song at the time, and I think I guess I kind of like it a little bit more than I used to. But I remember when it came out, it was, it was one of my least favorite songs of her and it charted really well in Australia I mean it was on the radio it was everywhere it was on TV and I just didn't really get it but I, I gave it a two it's alright I guess it's just there's just nothing to it that really stands out to me it's just very bland I feel anyway that's my opinion how about you Mike I am very nostalgic for this song I remember when it was like a summer song like towards when you got out of school and summer was just starting. Had my Game Boy playing Jurassic Park and shit. I'm a five. <laughs> I like these kinds of songs. Some of these songs, like, you just, it's too hot and the AC's not working and you're just cruising down the street with the windows open and sweating, listening to the Janet Jackson. It's fucking great. For some context, internationally, Marco, yeah, it did number one in Australia. Yeah, it did real good in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're giving it applause now. <laughs> <laughs> To date is the longest running number one single of any member of the Jackson family on the Hot 100, which I think is just an interesting fact that I'm reading from Wikipedia, but it's interesting. It is. I'm surprised she pipped out Michael with some of his songs, but I guess it was very popular. Um, It placed number one in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Hungary, South Africa, and Japan, Mm. which is um, crazy. This song was huge. A bunch of artists uh, from these days have covered it or sampled it. Um, it's one of those songs that I feel like resonated with a lot of people on different radio stations. Some, you know, adult contemporary and also the regular hip hop stations and also just the top 40 stations. I feel like I heard it everywhere that year. Well, um... Well, well, uh, well. I was looking for saying anything. Were you just clearing your throat? (laughs) (laughs) You just needed some kind of thing to clear your throat with. All right. Well, look. Let's uh, let's listen to some more music, and then we'll uh, we'll keep going. And I should tease. I do have a. We're going to be playing a trivia game. We haven't played trivia on a family show in a while, so I prepared a quick trivia game. Did you write them? Yes. Oh, good. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, look, let's listen to a track, and then we'll come back. 
Andy's just gonna laugh at his his joke. No, I, I, I'm a little rusty, so it's that's what the comedy is for me. It's contag- He's laughing at the at like a hundred percent, and then it's contagious and it leaks onto me. And now no, we're all I, laughing. I had the idea that like we needed to do a trivia game, but it's not. Uh, don't build this up because it's, it's not that good. <laughs> super hornio. What is it? Super hornio fuckers. That's, no, that's still my masterpiece. I don't yeah, think that I, was I, a great one. Slutter bonier fuckers. Yeah, this is <laughs> in the same way that uh, I'll always tell you that like outrunning is my favorite song of yours, no matter what you do. And I think honestly, like I will never, I'll never do anything better than slutty bonio fuckers or whatever the hell it was. Like I'm never topping that. <laughs> that's your peak, Andy. But yeah. Uh, For me, it's a toss yep. up between cocky and. Mm. Uh, Outrunning. It's it's. I don't know. Kaki might be just a little better, but anyway. <laughs> well, look. Let's listen. To <laughs> let's listen to something else. And <laughs> you don't want to play Kaki? I'm just gonna sit here and just khaki. like not say nothing. That's Kaki. Kaki is amazing. Play, you know, I'm gonna make another song for this New Year's called Kaki. Do it. Oh right, because oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be part of the pants trilogy, so it's gonna be number two. Yeah. <laughs> pants trilogy. In your pants. Yeah, cocky in my pants. <laughs> I'm gonna sing about the cocky in my pants. We'll figure that out. And then we'll see what happens when Marco has to say both of those songs back to back. And if we can tell the difference of which one he's talking about. <laughs> Damn, is there a third homophone for that? Damn, there isn't. <laughs> You're a homophone. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's listen to this cool song from Quato Lives. I think I may have played a track from his Office Hours album before, but I'm going to play another one because it's a fun album. And it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club like Mr. Magoo Samurai. We heard from him earlier, even though we weren't supposed to. And Neverman, Restless Nights, and new patron Ross Bird. You see, it's a cool place to be supporting Beyond Synth and you can go to patreon.com slash Beyond Synth if you want to support the show too because it's a good thing to do and another good thing to do is to listen to cool music like Quato Lives with the track Scheduled Appointment Schedule a meeting. 
And that was Scheduled Appointment by Quato Lives from the album Office Hours. And that uh, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Techno Ben in the $25 Club. And then there's Slade and Forged in Neon with the $20.49. All right, and we're back with the Beyond Synth family. I'm here with Florence and Marco and Mike, and we're looking back at the Billboard number one hits of 1993, and then uh, the North American Billboard hits, I should say, and then uh, we'll play a, a trivia game about 1993 in just a little bit. So now, we just got done Janet Jackson, so now we're at SWV. <laughs> Sisters with voices. Are we sure it's not sis does? Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. <laughs> Can't figure out just what to do with the public here is you. I get so weak in the knees. I can hardly speak. I lose all Again, this is another one for me. I'm not trying to be clever here. I just found this weak. Like, it's just weak. What I find interesting about these 90s lists is, like, I really listen to the songs looking for something positive to say. I know it doesn't seem like that. It doesn't. And as I was listening to this song, I was like, I mean, I guess the snare is okay. I just know that when we do the 80s list, I'm not going to be having to do that. I think that's my main thing as I'm listening to this. Like, I'm I'm squinting with my ears, listening to these songs going... Squinting with your ears. <laughs> what do I like? Maybe I like something about this. And with this song, it was like... Snares, all right, and like that was There's all I could do. There's literally a part that has the DX7 keys that you hate, and they're used in that like little twinkly, emotional slash romantic way that you hate. And I, I keep laughing. I'm listening <laughs> to the song right now, and you say you wince at it, and I'm like, uh, boom, boom, uh. I'm like dancing. I'm listening to it. I love it, and it's going din. And I'm like, man, this is like totally not up Andy's alley. Nope, not at all. And it's like, again, there's this stuff where I like, I'm not trying to necessarily criticize the artist. It's just to me, this stuff is just boring. It doesn't connect with me. So I, I wasn't really too keen on this one. How about you, Florence? Um, Same, pretty much. It's pretty boring for me. And I might just turn it off. I give this a two just because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not offended by it, but I'm just, you know, like it's nothing special to me. I think I've heard this song before, but like literally like there's no nostalgia for it at all. I also really want to know why they're fighting in a convenience store in the video. I think that's what happens. That's like the only thing that I remember from the video. They're just fighting in a convenience store. It's a very complicated story. There's little guys in town. Yeah, it's a really, too, it's a really, nice. li- the video is all over the place. <laughs> it really is. I believe that a video should have like lots of scenes and like costume changes and everything, but this one was too crazy. So I don't, I don't know. So anyway, I give it a two. Indifferent. Yeah. How about you, Marco? You're kind of right there, Florence. I'm watching the video now and it's just all over the place. Yeah. What Now they're in the car. What the hell? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what the fuck? Seriously. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, it lacks direction. But um, I've never heard this song before. This is the first time I've, ever, I've really actually heard it. So I didn't do well. I think it didn't do well in a lot of countries. So I think Australia's like peaked at number 92. I know Canada was 42, Europe 81. So it's 
I think it just did good in America. I, I really don't like it. I gave it a one. There's no nostalgia, like you said, Florence, because I've never really... Well, I've never heard it before, but um, there's just nothing to it. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. So just a one for me. I bet it does something for Mike. Oh, yeah. Andy, we can talk about that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> How bad in? Docking. Mm. Um, Gross. <laughs> That was a genuine reaction by you. Gross. <laughs> Technically, I don't think that's a thing I can do. <laughs> Neither can I, but we can always try. Uh, guy to guy. Now the audience knows too much. Neither can I, but... I- yeah. Listen. <laughs> well. I am listening to the other one by them right here, which I think is a better song, and it's. I'm surprised that the sex one peaked. I think America was just horny that year. Everything is so horny and sexed up. <laughs> I mean, freak me. Come on. Even the Disney song, they couldn't just like let the singers of the movie be the radio version. They got to get the sexy black guy to like rub some funk on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a whole new world. <laughs> yeah. You, if you know what I mean, baby. Mm-hmm. Whole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Literally and metaphorically. Yeah, if you want to listen to a better SWV song, objectively, uh, that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> now you're speaking listen, my language. That I like. Listen to right here. Um, and check out the Human Nature Radio Mix with Michael Jackson in the music video. Oh. I guess we'll move ahead here to the next track. Uh, this is UB40, Can't Help Falling in Love. Okay, um, uh, surprise everybody, I hate it. So, here's the deal. (laughs) I personally find his voice annoying as hell. I don't like UB40 as a group, so, like, I don't like the sound of it. It just sounds like someone doing a cover over, like, a cheap Casio demo beat. Like, a Casio (laughs) keyboard demo beat. It sounds so bad. And I'm gonna give this song a one just because... At the end of the day, I'd just rather listen to the original song. Like, there's certain times where they, these covers, they become popular, and I just don't see how this song improves on the original track in any way, and in some ways just makes it more annoying because his vocals are annoying. I'd rather listen to Elvis. You like Elvis? I like Elvis's fucking singing this song way better than this version of it. It's like, you know, when someone does a cover, and I get it, you know, you can take songs in different directions and stuff, and that's I guess the ultimate purpose of a cover instead of, like, to be the 50th synthwave artist to do a cover of Stranger Things that's already synthwave, but like, <laughs> in this case, I get that it's it's a different direction for the song, but it's worse. Like, there's everything about this is sucks. Like, the instrument's cheap sounding, his voice sucks, and... Elvis version is just superior in my eyes. Like, the singing's nicer and it's, you know, that's whatever. Anyway, look, I don't like it, okay? So, Florence. Um, I also don't like this. It's it's stupid. Yeah, and it, again, I, I gave this a, yeah, I gave this a one. I don't, I don't like it. I'd rather listen to the Elvis version. I'm like, I don't even love Elvis that much. Like, whatever. But if I'm going to choose a version, it's not going to be this one. Um, and I all, like, in the video, I just find it so ridiculous that they're just playing playing all this brass in like a, this tiny little like narrow hallway mm. that doesn't make any sense I'm like why are they there and it's bad for audio 
I feel like they could have come up with a better location for this video as well. So yeah, there's nothing I like about this. It's it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> All right, Marco. This one's pretty bad. It's almost as bad as Alien Covenant, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> damn, I, I got to think of a pop culture reference to whip in there now. Damn, guys. Well, <laughs> I was actually a Ridley a Scott big tangent fan of the 40 mm. I don't know. I like a lot of their early stuff. I really did. And look, I've given this a three, even though I know it hasn't aged well, and I know it wasn't that good at the time either. It, it, I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's really didn't enhance, you know, the original at all. I mean, it really was an unnecessary song, but. Because I like UB40 and I kind of like that sound. I, I did like it. But it's just, I feel weird about songs that are remakes like that that actually go to number one. I almost feel like it doesn't deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, it is weird because it's not an original song at all. So, anyway, I gave it a three. I still think it's all right. You know, if it comes on the radio, I'm going to leave it on. So It's an interesting topic, that, because... I think some of my favorite songs are remakes. You know, like when you read the trivia, when you find out later on, like, you know, Tiffany singing I Think yeah. We're Alone Now is a remake and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I still really like the Tiffany version. But this would be an interesting thing to talk about more because I agree with you, Marco. Like there is this thing in the back of my head that's like you didn't write it. So you shouldn't deserve to be number one or yes. whenever that happens, you have to share credit somehow with the the original version in some way. But I don't, but I don't even have a way of articulating what that means necessarily. Well, like Marco, you referenced it earlier. The Elton John. Yes. George Michael covered Elton John, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he brought him on stage at the end of the tour and then that live version was the big single. Yeah. That's a case where Elton John gets a ton of credit because he's in the big famous version of it. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Because you said, I don't even know what that looks like. And I'm yeah. like, well, yeah. Yeah, it's a version. Just like someone does a cover song, like bring those old people up here. And they just like kind of <laughs> wheel on stage. And Mike, how do you feel about UB40 can't help <laughs> falling in love? And now it's Limp Biscuit with the Temptations. <laughs> 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 I don't know why I put those together in my mind uh i love this song it's a good song i in my mind it wasn't another ub40 song that's on the charts but ub40 is also well known for their cover of uh red red wine mm. which is a neil diamond song yes oh. and their version is atrocious <laughs> yeah i think maybe you and i were talking about that on the phone andy which is why i thought about it but yeah no these guys uh, yeah there's something to talk about here because their whole claim to fameism is fucking covers they're most famous for doing covers mm, that's unfortunate i'm sure they wrote music of their own that music didn't chart we're all talking about the elvis cover and the neil diamond cover i keep wanting to say neil sadaka it's too bad <laughs> um the song appears on the soundtrack for the movie sliver i don't know why that's an interesting point for wikipedia sliver the uh sex thriller with <laughs> one of the baldwins not the famous baldwin william baldwin right i think it's william <laughs> yeah i think you're right yeah william baldwin uh sharon stone and tom berenger and ub40 spent seven weeks on the chart with this stupid song <laughs> I love it it's very nostalgic yeah. I've heard it all over the place I'm a five. It was also in Fool's Russian, which I, I love that movie with Matthew Perry. I remember that one. His one good film. Yeah, it is. It's not bad. Then he did Almost Heroes with uh, Chris Farley, where they're like Lewis and Clark, and they're going exploring. That movie is a train wreck. Uh, UB40 and the song also appear in the 1997 <laughs> film Speed to 
cruise control. I could mm. not go through this spiel without mentioning speed. No wonder you love it. Yeah, he you loves know. speed too. That's the one thing I know about Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is it just me? Oh is God. that is that's another one where that does that song really suit the movie Slither? I mean, does it really? Uh, it's like yeah. you said, it's a thriller, and it's like I mean, it's kind of out of place. I thought, but this does not sound like it would be in a thriller, um, <laughs> right? A sexual that's, thriller. That's I mean, really, a sexual thriller. <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? A sexual Thriller. Who did it? <laughs> like I don't know okay, what you know, like uh, Fatal Attraction, where uh, <laughs> she's having sex with uh, Michael Douglas, and then she ends up wanting to just kill him, yeah, like a tarantula or a praying mantis. Hmm. They should name a sex thriller like The Praying Mantis. Well, they probably did. Maybe. Remember Jade? When you say Jade, I think of Species. No, Jade was the one with. Uh, remember when Caruso left uh, NYPD Blue to be a, <laughs> a be a yeah. movie star, and then he stars in the sexual thriller Jade. Oh, <laughs> Oh my god. I remember being tripped out by that movie as a kid, but I don't remember how it goes. But I remember how the movie goes. What's the movie? Forty year old virgin? They reference Jade. Jade. Yeah. That's Caruso. how he gets a date with Elizabeth Banks. He's like Shade. Do you like to do it yourself? Anyway, tangent. Let's go to another song. All right, man, let's do it. I got one here. You know what? I've always held off on playing this artist because I have no idea how to pronounce this. I feel like it's a German word. It's Europa Weight Ausichten. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it was a good album. It's called The Night is Revolution. And I think this translates to like European, not European Union. Hold on. What the fuck was it? Hold on. I'm on his website right now. It just says, who is Europa Weight Ausichten? Uh, is the alias of German-based producer of electronic music Sam Freisler. Or is it Freisler? Alright, fuck this. Now I'm just gonna get into a whole web of words I can't pronounce. Anyways, it's E-U-R-O-P-A-W-E-I-T-E. So that's the Europa weight part. And then A-U-S-S-I-C-H-T-E-N. Aussichten. Anyways, uh, look, this song's called Klangwelt. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of fun words. Uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $20 Club. There's Joshua Winter and Chatterack. Uh, let's listen to this. This is Klangwelt by Europa Weight Ausschichten.
And that was Europa Weight Ausichten. Uh, <laughs> does it help if I just add the sound? Uh, with the track Clang Welt. And uh, look, if you want to check out the music I play on the show, check the more info button. If you click on the show on SoundCloud or I think even the episode description on like Spotify and stuff, you can see all the links of all the artists. So if you listen to a track and you go, Andy, I don't understand what the hell you're saying, but I liked that song. All the links are there. And I genuinely want you to click on all those links and support all the artists I feature on the show because uh, they're all cool and talented people. And of course, that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Wayland Caskey. Geospatial with the 1988 and with the 1986 it's Toots and in the 1985 club we got Rachel Buchelman and her twin sister Sarah Buchelman who donate the same amount but separately as twins do because the, you know they're connected by a psychic bond is uh, some bullshit thing that people believe. Anyways, we're back with the Beyond Synth family. Uh, Mike, Marco, and Florence were doing uh, 1993 uh, Billboard hits, but mostly just uh, talking a bunch of fucking nonsense. I really hope you don't leave the docking joke in the show. <laughs> <laughs> the docking joke was good because it was so subtle. Well, you can you can edit out you going Ugh, and being disgusted by it. <laughs> oh, I can be disgusted by docking. It's gross as fuck, man. I don't care. Oh my god! But do you believe okay. that to be like a homophobic um, thing to like criticize docking? It's I don't disgusting. Know if, it, it, it's Wait, disgusting I don't if no know one know what that means. Docking <laughs> is when the, the dudes put their dinks together oh, and then like oh. with the foreskin. So like the guy like basically they put their tips together and the one guy puts oh. his foreskin like over the other guy's dink. And they create a seal. Oh, yeah, How long no, has your goddamn foreskin, Andy? What's the point? That. <laughs> so, see, like, it, it would be gross if you imagine, like, uncleaned dinks. No, it's gross imagining it, but I don't care how clean it is. It's a gross but thing to do. It it's just weird. Be a loving act between two people. That's Andy. silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a silly thing to do. It's a silly thing to do. <laughs> fucking Ridley Scott over here. Yeah, man. Kids today, these fucking millennials oh rubbing God. their foreskins on each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I was just looking up UB40. So they did, I got you, babe, as well. The Sunny and Sure cover. And that one, <laughs> I know, like they really did some really corny remakes. It's like, why would that song, anybody want to do that one again? Whole and that went to remakes. number one in Australia in 85. I remember how weird it was. Oh my God. It was so popular, that song. I got to hear this song. You haven't heard the remake they did? It's, yeah, it's pretty bad. I don't think of that song. Let's see, UB40. Yeah, I got you, babe, UB40. I don't know if it did well in America or not, but probably not. It's pleasant. See, that's the thing about these songs is that they're super pleasant. Yeah. There's nothing really offensive about them. I, so I guess it's not as bad as I remembered it. it anyway, let's, there you go. So they did another fucking remake. <laughs> All right, and we're back with the Beyond Synth family. We're reviewing the Billboard number one hits of 1993, and uh, we just got done talking about UB40, and now we're moving ahead. And it wouldn't be a year in the 1990s without my best friend, Mariah Carey. So let's give it up for Dream Lover. Uh, no surprise, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like Mariah Carey's music. <laughs> I find the high pitched singing she like at the start really annoying. 
Uh, just another Mariah Carey fucking zero from me. Uh, Florence. <laughs> what did I say? Okay, this song is okay. Again, I have nothing against this song. I think the melody is like, it's pleasant. It's fine. So I gave it a three, which is an okay. I just have some questions about the video. I'm just, I'm <laughs> really curious how they filmed her in that balloon. Because like, did they just say, hey, Mariah Carey, just go up in this balloon. <laughs> She's not a hot air balloonist. Can I remember? <laughs> Remember that time that I was at your apartment and we watched some like crazy TV show where there was like a guy trying to go around the world in a hot air balloon? Please tell me you remember this. Are you talking to me? Yes. She wasn't in my apartment. Are you talking to me? Say it again. I was at your apartment, Andy, but <laughs> oh, I was also true. I was also in Mike's apartment. You talking to me? Remember? Hey, you talking to me? Mike. Hey, you talking to me? Mike. Remember when we watched that crazy TV show where there was like a rich guy trying to go around the world in a hot air balloon? Oh. Yes. This was a documentary. Oh. It wasn't a video. Oh, I thought it was a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, and I watched it when I was in Austin and I was staying at Mike's apartment. Was it like at like three in the morning? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm like, I can't, I, I'm trying to remember why I can't remember it. Oh, Mike was high <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Was there a part where a guy kind of had his face sort of painted like a clown and he was like, he stole my balloons. Did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, Jesus. Batman, um, 1989. Okay, never mind. This is not exciting. Nobody remembers this. You talking to me? Um, we'll do some research and I'll make a statement about this for the next episode. Right. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, my God. Yeah, prepare a statement like the one I prepared. Uh, uh, Marco. <laughs> Or wait, are you done, Florence? You were talking about hot air balloons. Yeah, no, there is, <laughs> yeah, let's we see, the uh, there's a, my notes say there's a dog in this video, and that's a plus. My notes say. <laughs> <laughs> my my um, attorney tells me I have to mention the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. But no, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm okay with the song. It's very, it's like quintessential '90s sounding. It's fine, so it gave it a an okay. Mako, I gave this one a three for some reason, and when I listen to it now, it, it's really just corny. And I guess I didn't mind it at the time. The nostalgia is probably why I'm giving it a three. What do you want to give it now? Well, I'd probably give it a two now. Honestly, I, I, I'll leave it at three. That's what I originally did, so I'll leave it at that. And it, it's not her worst song, and it's definitely not her best, but it's. I guess I can see why people liked it. I don't know. It's just a little corny and a little dreamy, I guess. But um, another song about fucking, well, sex. But, you know, that's all right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fucking sex. It's not as, like, blatant as uh, Freak Me. but Well, the title is, I guess, the title, you know, more so. But um, it's got a dog in it, so it's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. He stole my balloons. (laughs) Uh, Mike. He stole my balloon. He did it so well, too. I don't know. I'm a five on this song for various reasons. Mm. Uh, I don't want to go into some, like, spiel like I always do. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But this song was very popular and is produced by Dave Hall, who I did want to bring up specifically because he did the remix for Goldeneye uh, that year that Tina Turner did, even though it's not 93. But Andy, I know you love Goldeneye so much. (laughs) I do. Goldeneye's awesome. Did she love the theme song by Tina Turner? Your favorite. I do, actually. I think that song's awesome. She says, I'm gonna have a golden eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sigmund Freud. Uh, <laughs> you know, because, Mike, you're always going off about 
just like, oh, what would you do? Did you kiss a girl or do this? So I'm looking at the list now of the stuff that came out this year that I actually like. And uh, there's a Depeche Mode album, Songs of Faith and Devotion. Of course. When I went to Southeast Asia with my dad, we went on a Southeast Asia trip, and he bought me a, like, knockoff Walkman thing, because there's all these, you know, when you go to these countries and there's people who just have these shops on the streets where they just sell, like, this weird bootleg electronic store, and there's, like, music shops, but all they sell is bootleg stuff. At the time, I think the whole thing was they just didn't recognize copyright law in some of these places, so you'd go to a store, and you could buy, like, a Depeche Mode or, like, you know, new hit tapes, but they were just copied tapes, but (laughs) with, like, kind of zero Xeroxed, you know, photocopied album covers and stuff. So I was there. I had this cheap ass Walkman that when the battery started to die, the tape started to play slow. And then I had these like knockoff uh, Depeche Mode albums. And so I got Songs of Faith and Devotion. And it was like a weird one. Like they were sort of changing their sound. But like, I still really do love that album a lot. I think there's a lot of great songs there. We got Tool, Undertow. That's a fucking cool album. Yeah, that's a really good album. Uh, there was a New Order album. There was more ABBA Gold, which is still great. What else? Oh, get this. 1993. You'll like this one, Marco. Yes. The Mortal Kombat 2 music from the arcade game soundtrack came out on CD by Dan Forden. That was in 93. I remember when you played Mortal Kombat 2 in the arcade, one of the things that would pop up would be an ad how you could order the CD. Hmm, I don't remember that. It was in the US one where, like, you know when Mortal Kombat 2 would start, if you just leave the machine alone, it would say Mortal Kombat 2 and it would play the music and you see like Jax do the uppercut and it does a bunch of quick cuts of the gameplay mm-hmm. and then it would fade out and there would be like an advertisement for the Mortal Kombat uh, soundtrack. Billy Idol had a thing called Cyberpunk. You ever hear that? Yeah, I actually like that album. I, I know it's pretty cringy right now, but I actually did like it because I was a big fan of it. We bought the CD. They had a song from uh, Speed, didn't it? It had um, the... Speed. Speed. The, it's yeah, called literally, Speed. Right? It, this, the yeah. chorus, it's like my favorite thing ever. At the end it's of the movie, it's the pop song yeah. that comes on that plays over the credits, and it's like dun 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 The name of the song is Speed. This makes me laugh. We also got Nirvana. Grunge started. And then what else? Adam Sandler. They're all going to laugh at you. The comedy album. That's a good one. From Adam Sandler, which I listened to a lot when that CD came out because it's really funny. So that was something I was doing in 1993. While I guess people were listening to fucking bumping and grinding music, I was listening to Adam Sandler. I think his later comedy albums weren't as good but that one was mind you I haven't listened to it in a long time so maybe it's aged poorly yeah it's still funny right I've listened to other comedy albums that I've liked as a kid and I'm like yeah I can see why this is funny to me at the time and then the same year Tom Waits had an album called The Black Rider which I really like sorry I just double checked because I had a feeling Speed actually wasn't on that cyberpunk album for some reason, I thought it was, but the song I'm thinking of is Shock to the System was on there. But That's a good song, too. It is. That is a very good song. Sorry, I had to just throw that in because I made a mistake. Snoop Doggy Dog, Doggy Style, came out that year. <laughs> That's got some fun tracks on it. Hadaway, the album. Nice. You no, know, that was in 93. You had a couple of great songs. Ace of Bass, The Sign, Guns N' Roses, The Spaghetti Incident. So... The point is that while I'm sitting there, like, you know, being a little down on the things that reach number one, I was listening to lots of stuff from that that year that I liked, but it was like, just, again, not this stuff, but there was things. 
There was things. There you go. There was things. Yeah. I like that. See, I, I like that. Very positive, Andy. I had this thought since the last episode. I was like, you know what we should do? We didn't talk about it for this time. Maybe for the future episodes. We can list off like what our favorite things from that year was that have nothing to do with the chart. You know, albums outside of the charting hits. Yeah, for sure. That were like, yeah, I like this one. I like that one. That was like, you know, like a top five or whatever it is. Like, again, because I'm still big at this period of time. I was listening to, you know, like Depeche Mode and, you know, when I'm I'm looking at the number ones and it's like fucking Mariah Carey with these, you know, these songs and people grinding and sex songs or I was listening to like kind of like just cool, interesting kind of like industrial or tracks with electronic vibes and things or dance music. That's where where my heart was, you know, but look, <laughs> let's uh, let's listen to another track. And then we will continue the list, and then we'll do the trivia. Or maybe we can do the trivia next and continue the list at the end. It's up to you guys. Well, what there's do you only two do? more okay. tracks. I think maybe we should just finish it and end off on like a... There's only two more. We might as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, then let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so look, let's listen to a cool song, and then uh, and then we'll keep going. So this is Dead Life, who makes awesome music. I like playing Dead Life tracks because uh, they're all cool. And, of course, we also talked to him last season. As well, so go check that out. And uh, this song is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Gene Creamer, Private Eye, Mads, Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salia Lane. And this is Dead Life with We Are One and the Same.
And that was We Are One and the Same by Dead Life. That is a cool song. And uh, it was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 Club, like Zach, Fraser Davidson, Albion Algorithm, Andrew Bennon, Barry007, Energon Cubes, Ivan, and Jacob Pringle. Anyways, I'm here with the Beyond Sense family. Mike, Marco, and Florence. We've been reviewing the the uh, number one hits of 1993, the Billboard number one hits. we got a few more to go, and then we're going to play some trivia. So the next track in the list is Meatloaf with I'd Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that in brackets. And I would do Okay, so I have a feeling that people like this song, and so this might make me seem, uh, uh, what's the word when you don't... Uh, out of touch? Yeah. Because uh, I... You're out of touch. <laughs> See, I like that song. There you go, yeah. Um, so... Oh, so good. Again, I, I appreciate that this song is different than the other ones on the list. I know a lot of people love this Meatloaf song. I just don't resonate with songs that sound like they're out of musicals. And it's just not the kind of song that I like to listen to when I'm just sitting next to a stereo or whatever. Like, it's just not... You know, sometimes there's some music, like the Disney songs, that work in the context of the movie, but it's just not music I would willingly listen to. And I feel like this reminds me of that. But ultimately, like, I just have to be true to my heart and just say, like, I just, I just don't like this song. Like... It just doesn't do anything for me. It's really long. Do you like other meatloaf songs? Eh, I'm not huge into meatloaf. Yeah. I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy seeing Meatloaf in the like Buffy the Vampire Slayer makeup because like that's what he that's what his vampire looks like it looks like the ones from like the Buffy TV show I get it like it kind of has like an epic quality to it but ultimately it just sounds like a musical musicals just aren't my cup of tea like that style of of thing so I I give the song a two I think there's good qualities to it and I think it's okay but ultimately I've just never really cared for this so yeah Florence. I gave the song a three, mostly because I can't really take it seriously because it's just it's used in so many joke contexts Mm. that it's just kind of like, eh. but like I can like resonate with the whole musical thing and I like that quality of it. So like it's kind of awesome in that sense. I don't think I've ever seen the video to the song until I started watching it for this very podcast episode Mm. and this is fucking amazing (laughs) (laughs) this fucking video man it's pretty it's over incredible. the top, right? Like it, it's it, super over the top. It looks like he's taking everything so seriously, but it's like not serious. So it's like you don't know if he's serious or not. So it's like it's almost like uncomfortable. It's like, do I like this because it's serious, or do I like this because it's not serious? I don't know. But yeah, it's it's okay to me just because like it's kind of a joke song because it's used in so many joke contexts. But yeah, I feel like it's it's better than that. Right. I want it to be better. Yeah. <laughs> also, he won a fucking Grammy for this song, by the way. Well, I mean, look at his competition this year, man. Uh, Marco. <laughs> fair. Fair. Nice, Andy. Very fair. 
<laughs> I would give this one a Grammy. Like, compared to everything else, sure. I gave this one a two. I think the big deal at the time was that uh, he had a lot of success early in his career, I believe, like, in the 70s and shit, and that he's been through a lot, and I think he had, like, a nervous breakdown and all sorts of shit, and then the big thing was that, you know, he brought out his other album and it did well, and people liked it, so it was like a, I don't know, a triumph or some shit like that, you know. Um, I've never been a big fan of him. I honestly haven't. I think this song's one of his better ones. I, I agree with you, Florence. You watch the video and it, it's pretty fucking corny. But I mean, without the video, you know, like it's got a lot of emotion in it. And I think it's got a lot of meaning and I think it's, it's pretty cool. You know, it's different to everything else this year. I gave it a two because... It is kind of corny, and I think it's been parodied a lot. Like you said, Florence, it really is kind of a joke a little bit. But no, I gave it a two. It's 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 a decent song, you know. It's literally like totally okay until he says, "But I won't do that." And it's like, well, yeah. what, what's what he is talking, talking about? about? Yeah. Anal sex, or is <laughs> that it, is uh, like literally yeah. literally the age old question? Like, what won't he do? Docking. <laughs> but like, if he if he just left it at I'd do anything for love then it would be fine. It would be a serious song and be a great song but anyway, okay. I'm sure like when you write lyrics like that you assume it's something because the the song is very sort of big and theatrical and so like it's it's something bigger you know like I wouldn't do that like I wouldn't kill for you or I wouldn't do something crazy but yeah that's what I figure it's something really crazy you know but your mind always instantly goes to he won't do a sex thing (laughs) Like that's that's what my brain was. So I know the intention of the song is probably some greater meaning. But I won't do butt stuff. Yeah, like that's probably what it is. Just like I would do anything, but like don't put a cucumber up me or whatever. He won't do docking, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. So the Wikipedia page does have a section on the perceived ambiguity of quote unquote that. Mm. Meatloaf says the question "What is that?" is one of the most popular questions he has asked, and then it says each verse mentions two things that the man would do for love, followed by one thing that he will not do the title phrase repetition reasserts that he won't do that each mention of that is a reference to the particular promise that he made earlier in the same verse the four things he says he'll never do are forget the way you feel right now forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight do it better than i do it with you stop dreaming of you every night of my life and slatter bonio fucker <laughs> nice well, that's, I don't like all those double negatives I don't like the thing that he won't do is not do something I don't like that when there's too many double negatives I don't understand the meaning of things the only thing I won't do is I won't look up it's like so you won't won't look up well, I, I gotta say I got a lot of respect for him after his role in fucking fight club mm, I sure. love his character and the way he acted it so I'm just gonna put that in there That was I have really not seen good. that movie in years but I remember that was a funny like that was a big deal like when yeah, he, was, he was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got bitch tits or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> the music video was directed by Michael Bay. Okay. Which, okay. If that tells us anything about the music Get video. Get out. No shit. And uh, the cinematographer is Daniel sense. Pearl, particularly known for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1973. Mm. Uh, Dana, Dana Patrick is the actress in the video, and she is known for one episode of Seinfeld and known for one episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. <laughs> mm. So That's all I got. What, what, did you say you liked it? Yeah, I'm a five. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead to Janet Jackson with the track again. And here it is. I heard from a friend today, and she said you were in town. Suddenly the memories came back to me in my mind. So I, I don't hate this one. I mean, the piano melody has some sort of nostalgia to it when I listen to it. But ultimately, again, this is just another case of a song that I would never willingly listen to. So 
I, I gave it a one. I'm what just about like, forcibly? If you were tied up and like for, you know, the robbers tied you up and they're waiting for <laughs> ransom to come through or whatever, and they put this song on, in that instance, could you see yourself going... Yeah, I like this song right now. I think at that point, now this song would be attached to a really traumatic experience. <laughs> yeah, no so, way. So, like, not only do I <laughs> don't care for it now, but if my only association with the time I was tortured, then, like, I'd be like, well, I guess I like it less. This is like a negative 10 for Andy. What if your robber and kidnapper were hilarious, like Dennis Leary and the rest? What am I going to have, like, uh, what's that thing where people fall in love with their captors? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Stockholm, mate. <laughs> 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 anyway, I whatever. This is this is another one of those songs that's like a nothing song for me. Uh, uh, Florence. This is also a nothing song for me, but I have no, there's nothing I don't have anything against the song. It's just a fucking 90s ballad. There's like no drums in the song. It's not exciting. It's whatever. So I gave it a two because I'm indifferent to it. I don't hate it. Sounds like you do hate it. Whatever. <laughs> no, like, it, it's fine. But, like, it, the thing is, if it, like, came on, if it was, like, on a playlist, it came on in a car, in, like, my car, I would totally not listen to this. This is, like, not exciting at all. Yeah, agreed. There are, like, too many words in the verses. And it's just, <laughs> it's, you know, like, come on, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any um, I don't have anything against it. It's just I'm indifferent to it. Marco. I honestly don't have a lot to say about this. I, I just changed it because I listened to it again from a one to a two. <laughs> because it isn't a bad track. Yeah. There's nothing offensive about it. <laughs> I kind of like what she does with the chorus and shit, you know? Like, it's kind of cool. The verses, I kind of agree with Florence. It doesn't go anywhere. It's kind of, like, yeah. boring. I mean, like, if it came on the radio, same thing. I'd turn it off. Um, I gave it a two because it's a decent song. It just really doesn't appeal to my personal taste at all. So that's all I really got to say to that. Mike. I like that song. I like the movie Poetic Justice. That was like the movie she made, right? I'm, like, trying to find information about Poetic Justice. Is that what it's from, that's the movie that she starred in. Yeah, John Singleton directed it. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Uh, Maya Angelou wrote the poems featured in the film. That's interesting. Didn't know that. The song was nominated for Golden Globe, nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. She also performed the song live at the Oscars. So I guess this was a really big hit uh, in the fall of that year. Well, I like trivia just as much as I like listening to cool music. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to another song. I got one here from Lux Regen. Is that how you say that? Lux Regem. L-U-X-R-E-G-E-M. Featuring Dream Buster. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 club like John Masari, Knight of Ducks, Kudzost, Luke Jackson, Matthew Lister, and Monkey Magics. And uh, this is Lux Regem featuring Dream Buster with Tides.
All right, and that was Lux Regem with the track Tides featuring Dream Buster. Yeah, that's a cool song, and it was uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 club like Mystic Dink, Poly Digital, Pud Nuts, Rama Branch, Rawr, Thomas Berg, Tristan Waits, and Watch Clark. So I hope you guys enjoyed that track, and I'm back here with the Beyond Sins family. We're doing the, uh, the 1993 Billboard number one hits and we're at the last hit of this year and it wouldn't be a year in the 90s without my best friend mariah carey yeah another mariah who has another fucking song this year (laughs) if you reach into your soul and the sorrow that you know will melt It gets a one from me, like all the fucking Mariah Carey shit. And all I have to say, and listen, my only note, it sucks. That's all I wrote. <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of Mariah Carey. She makes boring shit music. I don't like it. I'm tired of her being in these stupid... Look, look how shitty this is. There's only like 11 songs this year that reach number one, and Mariah Carey has two. And they're all both boring. Like, just fucking <laughs> boring. Anyway, so, yeah, man, I'm just tired of this lady, and it doesn't stop, like, for the rest of the 90s. Like, she keeps popping up, like, oh, just wave hello. Hi, guys, I guess I'll be number one for 14 weeks again. I know she's only number one for one week here, and I imagine next year she... Whoa, what happens, actually? Spoiler alert, I'm just going to click to 94. Is this part of your statement? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Mike hasn't filled in the details yet. So I don't know. I don't know how many how long she's on. What for yeah. the, this song? One one week this year, but then next year. Next year, one week. What? It's just one. Maybe America was tired of her shit too. No, I wish she doesn't appear on the list until the end of 1995. How about that? So it took her two years to get back on with the song "Fantasy." Shame, but we're not there yet. Anyways, I don't like it, Florence. Yeah, the song's boring. <laughs> it's whatever. I gave this a two. I'm indifferent about it. It's nothing special. That's all I have to say about it. I would say this year, yeah, like I don't have too much vitriolic stuff to say about the tracks this year besides maybe snow, but <laughs> I thought you meant I know the this weather. is like my my lowest <laughs> rated year probably because I literally gave almost every song a 1 because at the end of the day I I look at this year and it's just like what a boring list of songs. Like they're dull. They don't have energy. Yeah. They're just like it's just a weird dull year of boring songs. I noticed you you have toned it down a little bit, Andy, considering all the public pressure <laughs> that you're under, so <laughs> <laughs> you've been like, nice like, so, so, like, I'm not gonna sentence, like but. work myself up and like act all like offended by it. Like it's just but I just find all of this music in this chart is like just dull. Like what a boring year of music it's just boring like kind of what's agree. fun this year what about that guy in the mariah carey hero video who looks like a referee who's in the front <laughs> row? there's this dude he looks like a fucking referee it's really weird honest question is there a single fun song this year is informer the fun song yeah informer's the only one informer yeah no i feel like informer is the fun song well meatloaf is pretty upbeat when you get to the upbeat part of i do anything for love <laughs> I, I feel like the that's the most but it's not like fun, yeah. is it? Like, you know, when, when we talk about the variety in the 80s charts, it's like, yeah, like there there is going to be a bunch of cheesy love ballads when we get there, too. But that's not everything. And you're also going to get your vanilla 
Uh, I was gonna say vanilla, vanilla ice. <laughs> your ice, ice babies. And your babies got spaxes. I feel like there's less of that kind of room on the <laughs> yeah, chart. Yeah, it's now. weird. Like, it's yeah. like there's nothing fun about this chart. If you're watching the Variety Carity music <sighs> video for Hero, the official HD video, which has 300 million plays, which is ridiculous, go to. Three minutes and 10 seconds. Three minutes and 10 seconds. The thing, yeah. There's a guy. <laughs> Referee, he just got off of doing Guts, the Nickelodeon game show, and he walked right over to the live performance of this. Oh, yeah! And he see is him. clapping so <laughs> hard. Got home from an indoor I'm going to make game. a specific reference that, that maybe Ghostbusters fans will remember. In the movie Ghostbusters, when they get out of the car right in front of Dana's building, there's like the crowd, they're all like, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. They're putting their packs on. They're like, oh, that's right. We're the Ghostbusters. <clears throat> there's a guy who looks like a stockbroker or something. He's got red hair. I think there's even audio of it. It's a really quick thing. He's clapping and he's leaning over the police line. And he's like... Ghostbusters, all right! Ghostbusters, yeah! And I was like, what an 80s thing. Like, you have nothing else in your mind that you want to yell at the Ghostbusters besides Ghostbusters, all right, and Ghostbusters, yeah? That's how excited you are? That's what this guy is doing in the audience right now. She's like, and then a hero comes alive. He's like, Mariah Carey, all right! Do it, yes, go! Well, Mariah Carey is uh, his... Uh... Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Marco, how do you feel about Mariah Carey? Yes. <laughs> well, all right, how do I feel about this? Well, uh -oh. I, uh, I originally gave it a one, but I've moved it up to two. Because she looks really good in that black dress. <laughs> like, anyway, being the, being the sexist pig that I am, that's I had to give it up. But oh it's God. really that song doesn't do anything for me. But um, no, it really does, and it's just slow, soppy shit. And I, and you know, this it's just not fun at all. So I gave it a two because of the video, and that's about it. You know, like so, I said in a previous episode, like she is super hot, and like it just I music wise. Blah, blah. Mike, <laughs> uh, you you're as disgusted by Mariah Carey as you are docking. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my the music. Oh my God. <laughs> Good song. I'm very nostalgic for it. I keep referencing that radio station 91.3 Light FM. It played all the old, uh, old adult contemporary music of the day. Your Beach Boys, your Mariah Carey's, your Shares, your Celine Dion's, Michael Bolton's, and the like, UB40s. So I heard this song a lot more than other kids probably should have heard this song. Mm. And so I, when it comes on, I like it. I, I'm like triggered to like it. Um, it was also, I feel like, everywhere. Does anyone else remember that? If you can remember it? Like, I feel like it was, she was all over TV. And like, mm. I feel like that song was like one of those songs that like the, what was the Whitney Houston song? And I will always love you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm ready. <laughs> Rambling. Uh, I will also say that there was some drama with Tommy Matola, but let's not get into that <laughs> here on the show. Um, all I will say is the song was originally intended for Gloria Estefan, and then it was given to Mariah Carey. Mm. The suits are like, who's going to get this song that we're going to pay the stores to play so that people will think it's good? Uh -huh. It's all the corporate machinations. Machinations? Machinations. Yeah. Machinations. Machinations. Um, machinations? Tommy Matola. That name is like... Tommy T. You know, he's in... He's in all the documentary things, but I can't like picture his face. So all I can think about is Big Shot, um, music producer from Wayne's World, the one in the limo, and they're, <laughs> they're directing the limo to uh, Cassandra's thing. She's playing Ballroom Blitz. He's like, "Hey, 
How you doing? I'm Big Shot Producer. I'm like, I got a ponytail and a cigar. Look at me. That's what I think of Tommy Matola, I guess. Well, the point is he made some beautiful hits. And that's what I think of Mariah Carey. Yeah, Hero. Mariah Carey Hero. It's a great track. All right. Well, look, let's listen to a song and then we'll do some trivia and then we'll end. So uh, here's, a t- <laughs> here's a track. <laughs> so I got one here from D-Noise. All right. This is a cool song. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters the ten dollar club people like will low caffeinated pixels your friend estevez gary heather mcgadfly and Stu triple the m you people are all cool all of you and now here's a cool track from d noise this is above the sky
was Above the Sky by D-Noise. Yeah, and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like IP68, Binkley, River Avenue. And with the Mark of the Beast, we got Abashed Pudding, Adam Conway, Akio Nakasone, Big Baby D, Boris Cat Punk, and Christian Quello. All right, and we're back with the Beyond Synth family. We've been looking over the number one hits, Billboard number one hits of 1993. Of course, I'm here with uh, Mike and Florence and Marco. And it's safe to say, numbers-wise, that I liked this year the least so far of all the years in the 90s. Do you want to do the numbers, Florence, or do you want to do the trivia and do the numbers after? Let's do the numbers now, since people are yeah. interested now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Andy's average for this year was a 1.18. That's right. <laughs> which is a 23.64%. So he pretty much failed the fuck out of this yeah. year. Out of 11, only two of them were not ones. That's right. Whitney Houston, exactly. which was technically from last year, mm-hmm. and Meatloaf. And Meatloaf. Yeah. My average was a 2.36, which is a 47.27%. Um, also a fail. Marco's was also a fail with a 2.09, um, and a that's a 41.82%. <sighs> but Mike, <laughs> um, <laughs> with the... With a comical 100%. Comical. Perfect score of 5.00. All fives. Collectively, let's see, our least favorite song was um, Week by SWV Sisters with Voices for an average of 2.25. Our most favorite song was a three-way tie. We tied three of them for uh, a whole new world, Dream Lover, and Meat Loaf. I like how I have nothing to do with any of that. Exactly. Watch what I do when I delete the num. When I delete my fives. <laughs> Look how negative oh, you are. I wish people could see this. <laughs> so for the listeners, yeah. I-, I deleted all my fives because we have a heat map and it shows like from one to five, red to green. It's all. It's, it's all, all orange. It's all orange. A couple of yellows in there, and then we would we would be at a an average average one point eight. Yeah, but Andy's literally got all ones and then two twos. That's it. Yeah. One point eight. 88 is our average without Mike. The three of you, which is 37 out of 100, yep. is what you think of these songs. Yeah. And he's definitely a boomer. So 1.88, 37%. I raised the average to 2.66 and 53% with my yeah. positivity. <laughs> I'm just a bright, shining spot in the world, guys. Well, look. Sure. We're going to take this bright, shining light and we're going to shine it now on a game of trivia. We haven't played trivia in a long time. I guess I'll try and keep score. What order should we go? I'm going to be asking some questions about 1993. So it's based on on the year that we just experienced. Uh, so who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, Marco goes first. It's it's going to go Marco, then Florence, then Mike. Okay. I'm always the anchor. That's okay. I'll okay. See what I can do. Marco. It's so rigged. you remember the game? We're killing we're, me. We're, we're killing me, Andy. We're playing trivia. Of course, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to give four answers, and then you basically just go in order. So if you get it wrong, it goes to the next person. Okay. I think it'd be funny if Andy was like, uh, well, what order should we go in? I don't know. Maybe Marco first, and Florence, and then Mike? Clearly knowing all of his fucking questions are written in that it's order. Rigged. Yeah, it's oh, rigged. Yeah. Oh, well, you want to... Hey, fine. You want me to flip it? No, because... I'll flip this, you in a minute. Just, 
Don't flip it because I like hearing Marco grumble about it. <laughs> All right. I'll flip it if it proves you wrong. No, no. Just All go. Right. Just do it. Okay, do Marco. It. Do it. The first question is for you. Yeah, for me. Just 1993 for me. trivia. Can you tell me this movie from 1993 based on the Internet Movie Database synopsis? Okay. You ready? Yes. An affluent New York City couple finds their lives touched, intruded upon, and compelled by a mysterious young black man who is never quite who he says he is. Is it A, Men in Black? B, Six Degrees of Separation? C, New York Minute? Or D, Fresh Prince of New York. <laughs> Sorry, what was B and C again? B was Six Degrees of Separation, and C was New York Minute. Fuck, I don't know. Six Degrees of Separation? I've... That is correct. Ah, yeah, that's right. All right, we move to Florence. You ready? That movie is J.J. Abrams' first uh, film acting role. Is New York Minute the fucking Olsen time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, thank God. Honestly, I just that's the only movie I actually know that was a movie. That's why I went for that one. That's really... <laughs> well, Men in Black's a movie. Alright, Florence. Yeah, but it's from fucking another year, yeah. obviously. Alright. And it's the narrative isn't the same. Anyway. Alright, Florence, you ready? Sure. Who was the Australian Prime Minister in 1993? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I have no idea. That's fucking hilarious. Was it A? I'm not even sure. Kevin Rudd. B. Paul Keating. C. Paul Hogan. <laughs> or D. Yahoo Serious. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just go with B, Paul Keating, because nice. there are two Pauls. Oh, was nice I right? Work. That Am is right? correct. You got it. Oh, thank God. All right, Mike. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> made the most sense. Can you tell me this 1993 movie based on my description? Are you ready? <laughs> See, it's rigged. It's fucking rigged. All right, here we go. No, I'm grumbling. <clears throat> In this romp... Grant and Ellie meet up with a guy named Malcolm and spend some time in Central America with some kids. Is it A, Adam's Family Values? B, Dazed and Confused? C, Jurassic Park? Or D, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey? That'd be Jurassic Park. That is correct. All right, here we go. To Marco. Okay, let's do it, mate. On January 20th, 1993, <laughs> this cigar-wielding saxophonist was inaugurated as the 42nd President of the United States. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Is it A? Saxophonist. I already know the answer. All right. Is it oh A, William Jefferson Clanton? <laughs> B, Bilbo Cleveland? C, Bill Clinton, or D, Ross Perot? Did you say... It's B definitely Ross Perot. Bill no, Bill it's Bill Clinton. All right. <laughs> that is correct. Jesus Christ, Oh, Andy. my God. Well, see, sometimes I like to try and trick people with the phonetics, so that's what William Jefferson Clanton was about. All right. Uh, who's going? Florence. <laughs> okay, now this is... Oh, wait. This is not a multiple choice question. Oh, Jesus right. fucking Christ. All right. This is, either a yes or, this is either a yes or no, I guess. 
On January 30th, in the Australian Open Women's Tennis Championship, oh, Monica Seles <laughs> played against Steffi Graf. Who won? Is that yes or no? You gotta tell me who won. Monica Seles uh, or Steffi Graf? Steffi Graf? Only two options? I don't know. That is incorrect. Mike, who won? Jesus fucking... That was... Un- that was not... Why? <laughs> Can't she guess? Hey, what? Hey... Hey, what the that, fuck just happened, man? She's a little guess. That's not. That's not fair. Uh, see, that's cheating. That that Mike was cheating. No, see, once got Mike, that once answer. The, once the get, person give answers, Mike a different answer. the question goes. Uh, it it it's concluded. It's final. Well, that's the well. <laughs> I mean, like, that up. the answer was Monica Seles. Okay, <laughs> so then, Mike, you get this question. <laughs> I had a big Jesus. crush on Monica Seles. Are you ready for this? Whatever. <laughs> we just did that noise, Marco. <laughs> Marco just goes. <laughs> All right, here we go. Damn cheats. Why do I get all the fucking Australian questions? <laughs> Marco should be getting me. Wait, man, I said really we could we could have rearranged it, but... She really wasn't that attractive, Jesus. Mike. <laughs> if you were going to flip it, I would still get the Australian question. Well, uh, Australia this. All right, right? Uh, Mike. Right? Monica Seles was smoking, Marco. Please. Great. I'm going to ask you a trivia question (laughs) now. I don't know what Monica Seles is. Here we go. Who did you like? Steffi Grash? You want to make love to Steffi looks. Silk Freak Me is on? All right, look. We're going to listen to a song, and then we're going to keep playing trivia, okay? We're going to keep cheating. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Look, here's a cool one from Vampire Stepdad from his album Sanguine, brought to you appropriately by my patrons in the Mark of the Beast Club, the Donation of the Beast, the Triple Six. We got Dalton Bell, David Lavalle Jr., Electromechanic, Franz Varga, Joe Esposito, Loshka, Luke Timmermans, Nicholas Carl, Owen Magali, and Philip Back. And here is a song for you by a synthwave vampire. This is Vampire Stepdad with Unflappable.
And that was Unflappable by Vampire Stepdad. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Triple Six Club, the Donation of the Beast, like Pooh in an Alleyway, Replicant 69, Ross Pentland, Artificial, Run the Skyway, Stagger, Tomas Shimanek, Trippy, Cenotaph, and Jean-Christophe Leconte. So uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. Maybe I'll have a quick catch-up with Vampire Stepdad this season. But in the meantime, we are back with the Beyond Synth family. This has been the 1993 uh, Billboard hit show, although we're still playing some trivia. Currently, Mike and Marco are tied, and Florence has won. And Marco, on February 7th, 1993, Carmen Electra released her debut album. (laughs) What was it called? What? I didn't know that. Was it A... Watching the Bay. (laughs) B. Electric Avenue. C. Electrolysis. Or D. Carmen Electra. I'm going to go with D. I don't fucking know. That is. Correct. Yes! It was a self-titled uh, album. That was going to be my guess. Self-titled yeah. album. What a yeah, I mean, boring-ass fuck. fucking album title. Hey, good guess, Mark. I know. I didn't even know she made an album. All right, Florence. Oh, what a good guess. Did. You ready for this? Uh, yep. I'm going to get it wrong. On February 25th, <laughs> 1993, <laughs> the Florida Marlins introduced oh. their mascot... What oh is their mascot's God. name? Oh is it A, Florida God. Flappy, B, <laughs> Billy the Marlin, C, Marty Marlin, or D, Marlon Brando? <laughs> I don't know, Billy the Marlin. That is correct. Oh, thank you. All right, Mike. This is for you. Martin Marlin would have would have been way better, but I'm glad I uh, <laughs> I thought that Florida was uh, not as clever as they should have been. Well, anyway, keep going. <laughs> hey, Mike. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Which microprocessor was introduced on March 22, 1993? <laughs> was it A. Pentium, B. The Intel Pipton, <laughs> C. The AMD Ryzen. Or D, the Benelux Union. The Benelux Union. Man, you got a got a good uh, got a good word. Let's see. I think it's the Pentium. That is correct. Boom 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 boom. All right, Marco. <laughs> okay. This is the last question. Give me an Australian one, mate. This last is the question. last question of the trivia. Yes. Of your life. So what, if I get this, <laughs> is that a draw? If you get this, you win. I win, yeah. All right, bring it on. Bring that shit on. Give me an Australian one, mate. Also on March 22nd, 1993, Andre the Giant is inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, yes. but was unable to attend. Why? A, he was undergoing back surgery. <laughs> B, he was living in Europe and had visa complications. <laughs> C, he was filming Princess Bride, or D, he was dead. He was dead. He was deceased, the poor dude. That is correct. Marco (laughs) has won today's 1993 trivia. All right, Andy, next trivia you do, make one-third questions Australian questions. Make all one-third Star Trek questions. And then make the other third baseball questions. But Marco, I think, would also do Star no, Trek questions. Star Wars. 
Star no, Wars. No, I would do like something else. I don't know, whatever. That's a funny idea. Remember how you asked us like, "What's our favorite movie?" and then you played us cues <sighs> from the movie to see if we could guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. What if like you were like, "What's your favorite?" category and i'm gonna load up a bunch of questions in your well but this time it was like since i've never done trivia based on a year so i was like what are different things i can do trivia for with the year Mm -hmm. so that's why there's all these kind of like random (laughs) ones that was my thinking anyways (laughs) well i do have something to say you know seeing as i won i'm the trivia champion this week i wanted to dedicate my championship to world peace and ending world (laughs) hunger okay imagine all this stuff happened at the end of every single episode of jeopardy (laughs) and then the winner chimes in and fucking gives his points to world peace (laughs) oh my god anyway look we gotta we gotta wind down okay so maybe we'll listen to one more song and then we'll uh, say goodbye how about that sounds good mate so uh i got one here from the alphabet zero of course he was a guest on the show was that last season or the season before i think that was last season brought to you by my awesome patreons supporters. For the donation of the beast, it's Mike Bailey, Nafas, Zayon B, Galaxicade, Mr. Gimpson. And we always like to end uh, the donation of the beast with the Polar Wild Cat Studios with the 617. So now listen to this song because it's cool. This is Nothing is Fine by the Alphabet Zero.
And that was the Alphabet Zero with the track Nothing Is Fine. But of course, that song was fine, and uh, I dig it. So go go check out the music of the Alphabet Zero and go listen to when he was uh, on the program. And also Kelly Besh, who does uh, the vocals on a bunch of Alphabet Zero songs, she was on the show as well. So lots of shows if you go back into the Beyond Synth catalog. Anyway, we're back with the Beyond Synth family. This has been our 1993 uh, Billboard Hits review show. And uh, I've been here with Mike, Marco, and Florence. But now we got to say goodbye. So if there's something you guys want to uh, mention before we go, uh, I don't know when this is going to air. So happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah don't, I was just about I mean, to say. Uh, no, sorry. I was, <laughs> I was just be like, don't mention Thanksgiving. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. maybe say Happy that's New probably, Year. That's totally true. Yeah, okay. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And, uh, happy New Year. Happy just in case. Everybody. Maybe say uh, a Happy Valentine's Day as well, just in case. Jesus. <laughs> a, I want to dedicate this win to here. Jazzy Mascat for Valentine's Day. There you go. <laughs> so, so, Marco, do you have anything else you want to say before we uh, hang up on you? No, I, I, this was fun. Uh, you know, I um, it was nice. We haven't talked in a while, so I, I really enjoyed this. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. And uh, Mike. I, uh, I like when we do these. I'm I'm kind of sad we didn't get to argue. I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> well, that would be uh, like really forced if too. we just end up doing like fake arguments every episode now. Like it's like a big performance. I'm telling you, dude, we get so much marketing if we did a, a fake feud <laughs> online <laughs> and if we announced it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming, guys. Just after Andy gets through nine more projects oh, that he's got to finish. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like uh, I like Florence and Marco. I like having a good time. We're having a, such a good time when I get together with Florence and Marco. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I get it. How do I how do I sign off? Do I want to go uh, through mist and shadow? <laughs> to the edge of night. <laughs> and I'll be Dennis or eating the tomatoes. Yeah, go. The fucking tomatoes. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking tomatoes. Um, I, my, my favorite thing on the internet during Halloween was when somebody posted a picture of the best couple's costume ever, which was somebody dresses up as Denethor, like the, the guy dresses up as Denethor or, you know, whatever gender you want. And the other person dresses up as a tomato. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a funny sequence, man. It's so cartoony. It's like in the cartoons when they eat the chicken, there's always like this greedy fat guy who like eats the chicken just right off the bone just to show like just how slovenly they are. And like, I feel like that's like the movie version of that. Like every little tomato is like exploding in his mouth and the juice is going down his face. That's what I feel like the human Jabba should have. Like when he's like, I'm solo, you fucking bastard. Where's my money? (laughs) (laughs) He's got a big fucking chicken leg in his hand. I wish I wish Jabba was like that. <laughs> I'm solo, you fucking bastard. Where's my money? That's awesome. Uh, Jaga Doka Manga. Yeah, where's my fucking money? Um, 
Florence. Oh, yeah. No, I, I just want to go back to that balloon thing where uh, I'm uh-huh. talking about the ballooning exploits of Richard Branson. Mike, we oh, totally watched. Right. We totally watched a documentary on that. Now that I found it. Okay, that's that's over. We were up late watching a whole bunch of horseshit. We also, I think we watched the, the Ninja Turtles takeover Oprah Winfrey show episode. We definitely watched that. Yeah. Anyway, I I also really enjoy doing these things with you guys because you're the best and you know, we're we're the we're family. It's nice. Um yeah, no, it's good. I was, <laughs> yeah. Should I just leave this awkward pause after that? Like, oh, whatever, no, Florence. No, I was going to say, Phaserland uh, just came out with an album and I'm on it. Ooh. So y'all should go listen to that. I if did. You haven't listened to I it. I picked it up, but I haven't listened yes. to it yet. <laughs> like, oh, well, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Dude, I've Eddie. been so busy. I feel bad I haven't listened to it. And, and I really want to. It's just, I, I, I want to sit down and listen to it, you know? Yeah. And just be so busy with work and well, shit. Well, you know, as long as you eventually get to it, mm. this is just your reminder. Yeah. No, it's, uh, people should go check it out. Up until about two months ago, I never had a Bandcamp account. Me too. I buy music. But I just do the sign in for that one time. I pay for it and I leave. And so I had this fucking rude awakening when I finally, I think I had to get a Bandcamp account to, to do Michael Oakley's live show. Oh, that that's what happened to me and too. And I'm like, fine, I'll finally make an account. And so I had to get a fucking like fan account. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't want, I don't want a fan account, but like, uh, like I got it. That's exactly why. Yeah. And then once I created I the account, fan account and Bandcamp. since I've purchased so much music, through Bandcamp, now all of a sudden my inbox was like flooded with like thousands of fucking emails because now oh I guess God. this whole time that they, I would have been getting email notifications all the time of people like release a shirt or like new music or new merch. <laughs> That's amazing. And so now I, I had to like shut off all the notifications because like every day I was getting like 40 emails from Bandcamp just like so-and-so has got a new shirt and I'm like what? Like <laughs> why am I saying this? Uh, because I bought yeah so I bought the album and then I haven't had a chance to to listen because I got the notification it's like there's Phaserland. I'm like okay so whatever. The point is, Phaserland has my money, and maybe one of these days I'll listen, but I'm sure it'll be good, because Phaserland makes good music. And one of these days, he'll be here, and Mike will be gone. Hey, I had him on my show, and we talked about it, and he had nothing but Aww. bad words to say about you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Since we're plugging, go check out the Retro Power Chart on Spotify. Type in Retro Power Chart on Spotify.com. It's the official top 100 of Synthwave and Outrun. Go check it out. It's got some dope hits, and I, I promise that because of the six-week window, Gunship won't be at number one for the whole time. (laughs) Not saying that Gunship is bad, I'm just saying that it's a variety good. Gunship bad, variety good. (laughs) (laughs) And for everybody else listening, thanks for for listening. Uh, Obviously, I know this episode is really late. It's because the Beyond Synth episode 300 took me a month to make, so we're going to get back on track and uh, these will be coming out with more regularity for all you people who miss the Beyond Synth family. So we're going to try and do that and and uh, hopefully it works out. So uh, I want to say goodbye for me. Goodbye from the Beyond Synth family. We're going to end the show today with a song. Um, I would also like to say, uh, sorry, we didn't do a birthday segment 
this episode because obviously we're recording it early. So uh, next week on the show, I will do a big birthday segment and do all the happy birthdays because a whole bunch of you had birthdays in the first few weeks of January. So maybe I'll just quickly say happy birthday to Slade, Kudzost, and Ross Pentland, and uh, but I'll give you a proper birthday message uh, next week where I'll read some historical facts about your birthday. But in the meantime, uh, I, I am aware it is your birthdays and they've already passed and a happy birthday to you and I hope Hope uh, your New Year's have been good, Slade, Kudzost, and Ross Pentland, and uh, we'll give you a we'll give you a proper birthday next week. We'll light some candles. So we're going to end the show with a song this week. Glenn Maine, who has been a guest on the show before, you'll remember him. He's got the really crazy story about getting his arm cut off. He sent in a song, which was sort of a challenge I issued in the last family episode, where I was talking about how it would be fun for synthwave artists to cover songs that you don't like and try and make them cool or whatever. Because, you know, I went on my rant about Black Velvet and all that stuff. So, Glenn Main has sent me his cover of Black Velvet. And this is a call to arms to all the listeners of the show, especially if you're music producers and you listen to Beyond Synth. I would love nothing more than for you all to make synthwave covers of 90s music you don't like and send it to me and I will play it on the next family show. Because I think it's a funny idea and I would love to get that started, okay? So we're going to end the show this week with Glenn Main's cover of Black Velvet. Thank you all for listening uh, to Beyond Synth. Tune in uh, next time. And if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or you can go to beyondsynth.com and find the PayPal link to donate or there's also a PayPal me address, I think, on the uh, in the episode descriptions and stuff. So there's lots of ways you can support the show and I appreciate it. And now, have a lovely week. Now let us listen to Glenn Main with his cover of Black Velvet.
If you please 